What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We are in recap season now. IPF Worlds and USAPL Mega Nationals are done, so that means Two White Lights is going to bring you recap episodes. We recap IPF Worlds. We start with the men and go all the way to the females covering every weight class. Some get a little bit more spotlight than others, uh, mainly doing they're just more storylines uh, in certain weight classes than others and some performances that are more talked about. Uh, we give all our rationale behind that at the beginning of the episode, actually, with us talking about Sheffield. Selena, Steve, and I give you all of our hot takes, all of our uh, insights on what happened at IPF Worlds. It was a very busy week for Steve, Selena, and I. Um, coaching, competing, commentating, it was a lot, so... We didn't get to see all of IPF Worlds, but we were able. I mean, still, it's easy to get the footage and still see enough to give you an excellent preview episode. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave a five-star rating on both. Leave a review as well on Apple Podcasts. Those help and subscribe on 2 and also our YouTube channel, which YouTube our podcast episodes will be available on YouTube um, shortly. So, without further ado, here it is. Two white lights. Oh, baby, I like it, boy. Yeah, baby, I like it, boy. Oh, baby, I like it, boy. Yeah, baby, I like it, boy. Shimmy, shimmy, y'all, shimmy, yeah, shimmy, yeah. Give me the mic so I can take it away. Off on the natural charge, bone for yards. Yeah, from the home of the Dodger Brooklyn squad. Who tank the hubbies on the score? Rain on the college ass disco pump. But you didn't even touch my skill. You got the And as promised, we are here not to do a preview show, but to actually a recap. IPF Worlds is what we're gonna start with. I got Steve Denovi and Solana Lewis. Steve, Solana, how are we? We are tired, but we are good. Yeah, recovering. Definitely recovering. Yeah, I'm actually, I I think I'm just, I just got there as far as recovered goes. I was pretty much in a trance from Monday through Wednesday or Monday through Tuesday, but now I'm, I'm slowly getting there, but... Was that from the concussion from the head, the the actual like head hitting the floor, or is that what was that from? Well, we'll save more of the analysis on my, that on the on the uh, recap of USAPL Mega Nationals. Um, I do think that it had an effect. My right ear was ringing for a while, so I'm recovering slightly. That probably didn't help, but we have. IPF Worlds that happened in Sun City, South Africa. Um, lot to talk about. I mean, it got off to a really hot start with monkeys. Just yeah, yeah. Stole the show. Monkeys, really. yeah. Stole the show. Uh, was stealing candy pre-workout. Either Gavin and Dean killed a massive population of monkeys, or made them incredibly strong. Population of monkeys. There's no in between. It's not like they got – it's either they're all dead or they're super super monkeys now. Well, we'll see if there's some new competitors at IPF Worlds next year. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be it's it's going to be a very interesting developments there. But we want to start off with this because IPF Worlds always a huge meet. Uh, USA was – Team USA was represented at it. Makes it bigger whenever America is involved. Call it my American bias, but it's a fact. 
And you saw that this year. But the big thing with IPF Worlds is it leads into Sheffield or is the way to get into Sheffield, which is billing to be one of the biggest meets in powerlifting history. Um, definitely the biggest money meets. And potentially, um, with the production value and the amount of lifters who are going to be represented, it's going to kill live stream numbers. Um, but you kind of saw lifters dictate their performance based on Sheffield. So, Steve, tell me your thoughts on that. So, let me first run down my general understanding of the Sheffield rules. And I might get some of this wrong, but they're not using a coefficient score. Well, they are, but they aren't. They're, they're using a new coefficient score that's been created. Um, rather than using GL score, they're using percentage over the current world record total. So we're gonna, obviously going to get to Taylor Atwood. The current world record total is like 790.5. Well, we know Taylor has totaled seven or 838.5, but at the meet, he very strategically has told 790 so that at Sheffield, he can have the chance to be able to go significantly over that and therefore have the highest percentage over the current world record. Whereas some people who are in battles had to go all out because they had to win IPF Worlds. So I don't know if I'm a fan of that. I'm going to wait to hold judgment until we see how it actually plays out. But my biggest issue with the thought from the get-go is the fact that it, it, it legitimately changed people's strategy at IPF Worlds that were able to. It made some people very notably sandbag. And then some other people who had unbelievable performances are going to get punished at the Sheffield for having unbelievable performances because now it's going to be harder to beat their great performance from IPF World. So I don't even, I, I don't know. My, my initial reaction is I don't like that at all. Um, I don't think there is any good solution for these type of meets. Like bid lift score, coefficient score, dots. That's never a good solution. There, there, it, it, it's, it, it is what it is. Unless you're doing a large meet where you can have weight class battles, it's never going to be completely fair. But I typically, I would prefer good lift score. Um, so, yeah. The other thing we learned is we learned the payouts. Um, I will say that was a little bit different than what I thought, too, is that it's being advertised as a $450,000 payout. Um, I, I'm off on the numbers a little bit, but uh, I believe it's somewhere around 170 to 180,000 is the only money guaranteed though. That's the caveat. All the, the rest of the money is all based off of if you hit world records. So if every single lifter hits a world record squat, bench, and deadlift, all the money gets paid out. But we already know that every lifter is not hitting a squat, bench, and deadlift. So therefore, $455,000 is not paying paid out. I calculated maybe 300,000. Still amazing, mm -hmm. but... It's not 455000 Yeah. And as years go on, too, it's going to be harder to break those world records. And it does affect certain weight classes, too. Delaney Wallace, I don't think could break any world record in the 83-kilo weight class, aside from maybe squat. But he's like, but he gets punished for being so well-rounded. He's such a well-rounded lifter that he really can't break a record. Um, Ina put the deadlift way out of reach. Um you know, 733, I think, is the world record for squat or a little bit less than that from Russ. Not quite sure on the bench, but, yeah, like, that actually affects weight classes differently. And But then you have Taylor Atwood, who pretty much can nuke all of his old records. I mean, if he just – if he has half the meet that he had at USAPL Nationals uh, 2021, he walks away with a fucking bag of money and doesn't have to total 838 and a half. Yeah, like we already thought Taylor would be the favorite, but he's actually more of the favorite now. Like it's actually he is 
he is more unbeatable now the fact that they're doing this because like he literally did 790 and sandbagged this meet with like almost seemingly like openers the second attempts like mm. it, it's barring he gets hurt it's just it's it's already finished like it's not really a competition for him yeah solana what do you think yeah that's such for some people <laughs> like i don't really know what a solution would be though mm-hmm. to make it better but that i didn't realize like that was literally how you won all the money i thought it was that's tough i don't really love it i don't love it but it's the first time ever so maybe i'll get better also the new coefficient oh. thing like we really need more coefficient scores like yay <laughs> yeah my biggest again I'll, I'll wait to hold judgment we'll see how it plays out but my biggest issue is good lift score is what it is but at least you can put up an amazing good lift score performance at ipf worlds and then you can go and still win the sheffield versus likely if you have an unbelievable performance at ipf worlds you literally are going to make it so that you are going it's you can't win the sheffield mm-hmm. like you're people are going to have to strategically sandbag worlds to win sheffield yeah well sheffield yeah. for me i think is going to be an event to actually get powerlifting for mainstream audiences and how it's set up it's if you break the most records you get more money which works for a crowd if i just announce or put on a graphic the number to beat in this weight class is eight uh, it, or total is like 805. People can register that aside from a formula, which I get. But I think it just comes down to formula meets are not as good as head-to-head battles. That's always been my thought. Showcase meets don't hand, hold a candle to head-to-head battles because that's what I want to see. And then we saw it at Mega Nationals and even IPF Worlds. The head-to-head battles is what generated the most amount of interest from your powerlifting fans. From a mainstream audience, maybe they're not going to quite understand that. But that's the same problem with the USA Pro Series that I have, or the USAPL Pro Series. A lot of it's based on formula. A lot of it's based on dots. And you don't quite get that head-to-head battle that's that's intriguing. You had it at the Virginia Pro somewhat. You had it at USAPL Mega Nationals. Once you get into the Arnold, I think you'll get more of that as well. But just me as an 82 and a half, knowing formula, if I say get into the grand finale of things, I'll be like, eh, okay. Formulas. These guys aren't in my weight class. Like, I, it's it's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be really hard for me to compete with them. Um, but I I still think it'll do great for the sport. One thing I want to mention, the wild card spots. So I want a little bit more detail on the wild card spots going forward because I'm going to say it now. I'm going to be preemptively pissed off currently if Leah Beauvoir or Ray Williams gets in because Leah misses weight and that should leave her out of Sheffield, in my opinion, because it should be based on this year's IPF Worlds. There was clamorings, you know, from other people that Ray Williams should get in regardless because everyone wants to see Ray versus Jesus. One, I think that battle is long gone. I'm sorry. I think it is. But two, it's like, how are we going to reward people based on not winning? Like, they have to win or at least put together a good performance. Jonathan Keiko makes sense to me if you're going to have a wild card spot. But I think the whole rules and the explanation of wild card spots are coming. I'm just saying... Preemptively, if I see those two people on the roster, you're going to get a decently sized rant from me on Two White Lights and possibly other social media platforms. Unless they were just like, Sheffield is no longer a qualified meet. We're going to invite the people we want to see because it's going to generate the most interest. I'll be like, good, okay, now I have no problems. But if you start bending the rules so you can get certain people in there because you know that's going to generate the most interest, then I'm going to call bullshit. So we're going to see. Well, I think you might be upset 
<laughs> well, I mean, that's good, right? An upset Angelo is a good two white lights episode. So that's that always works. Um, do you know? I do you know something? I bet a lot that Lee will be in it. I talked to Pete, to Pete and he, there's no one official. So he literally was like, nothing's official whatsoever. But he was just, we we're going over people who could get in and like, those names are mentioned. Of course. They're, so, <laughs> I mean, that's what, I mean, that's what we wanted to see, right? Lee Bavall versus Amanda Lawrence. But, you know, uh, you shouldn't get rewarded for not doing a competition. Like, I do if, agree. Yeah. What if, like, I, like she was just like, I'm not going to show up to IPF Worlds. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you didn't need to. You didn't need to even so show she, up, so that she can just prep for Sheffield. That's exactly. legitimately the precedent you're setting. Yeah, exactly. I love the idea of Sheffield. By the way, I love what it's going to do for the sport. I do think it's going to be a massive push for the my, live stream audience or mainstream audience. But you know, as a competitor, here's as a, a person in it, like here's I, a question for you. Okay, if LeBron James gets hurt during the regular season, and the Lakers miss the playoffs. Do they get put into the finals for views? Exactly. Well, I mean, the NBA will probably allow it because they have, debatably the NBA has done that in the past with other teams. But no, I I understand what you're saying. And I would, this is, I think, a problem uh, unique to powerlifting. And it, it was actually brought up during last year's or last Sheffield that was announced before COVID ruined it was Ray Williams. Ray Williams on the roster in spite of him bombing at IPF Worlds. Like, I get why he's put point. on I, I get it, he's put on it, but if you start like bending the rules for certain people, it's like, ah, uh, no, I don't want to see that. Sorry, like if you made the rules, you gotta abide by the rules. Same thing when I when I saw Powerlifting America. If Taylor Atwood bombed out of Powerlifting America, would he have gotten an IPF World spot? I was told yep. he would have. I was told he oh, would have, and I'm like, okay, sure, sure he would. All right, you want to start talking about the uh, competition, or got some more rants? Yeah. Oh, by the way, roll. Pete already eggs out of this episode. Pete already is like, fuck, fuck this episode. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> we, we've done it a lot in Two White Lights. Or he's going to record it, put sound bites in so he can do it on the Sheffield Here, promo. If it makes Pete any happier, whatever the Sheffield is, is still better than whatever the Pro Series is currently. Oh. Very good. Uh. Very good point. Very good point. Um, or he uses so his we're, cr bites. we're critical of both. The Pro Series is worse than whatever we think the Sheffield is. Yeah, sure. I I still like I still like how Sheffield's format, in spite of the new formulas, I still like it. I think first time through the wall, you're going to get bloody. You're going to see some issues with it. I think as it goes on, you're going to see a little bit better of a competition because you won't mm -hmm. be able to sandbag at next IPF Worlds, right? Because you set the records at Sheffield, hopefully. So. That adds to it, and then it might turn into an actual best overall lifter-type battle. That's what I'm looking forward to there. But this IPF Worlds was a little bit different because of that. And let's get into it. 66 kilo, or uh, 59 kilo men. My bad. I, oh, want, to talk about I want to talk about 66 We know why you skipped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 59 Sorry. kilo. Sorry, everyone. There was a very obvious favorite in Franklin Leone, and he just didn't show up. Yep. So... It ended up being a kind of a close competition between Antoine Garcia and Takaharu Ibahara. But I mean, just frankly, it was a little underwhelming because you didn't have Sergei Fedoshenko. And then now you didn't have Franklin Leone. And it was just, it, it, yeah, just wasn't a super deep class. It's, it's historically not a super deep class. And it didn't help that that situation happened. Yeah, you said it. That's it. Well, <laughs> Antoine won. Well, I mean, we do have a little bit more developments, right? Waskar 
Looks like he's going to Power of the America. Boscar. So yes, Waskar's going over to Power of the America. So yeah. that does add some challenge. That the big thing is is Sergey going to be allowed to come back to the IPF with Russia? Um, if not, Waskar is definitely the favorite. If Sergey's back, that's tough though because Sergey is just Sergey. He's, he's just in a league of his own. Yep. He's there's there, there's a reason why. I mean, it's hard to be known as a 59 kilo lifter, and Sergey has done that. Because of what he's done, he's completely dominated that weight class. Um, I do, th- yeah, and I think with Waskar coming to that division, it's going to be interesting. Hell of a performance at USAPL Mega Nationals. We'll get to his performance next episode, but that adds depth to it. Typically, it's that step up weight class. You use that, you st- like a lot of the smaller guys start off in that weight class. It's like almost too small for small on occasion, that weight class. Um, and then they go up to uh, another weight class. So 66 kilos. A lot to talk about there. This was probably the coldest takes I've ever had on a podcast, just at that division alone. Really, you could kind of flip what we said, and that's what happened. Um, yep. I, we failed. Okay, and I don't – and this is I got to be careful with this because it's a tough meet to compete at, you know, and I was very high on Joe Jordan coming in. And I have every right to be. He looked fantastic in training, and his meet in the Virgin Islands was brilliant. So, this is powerlifting. Unfortunately, it didn't turn out that way for him. Um, I know it was a disappointment for him. The flip side of it, I said Eddie Berglund can't hit a lift, and I don't trust him to win. I'm somewhat still right on that because he was still all over the place. His squat was his third squat was all over the place as far as technique goes and grinded it for like five seconds and one of the most awkward squats I've ever seen. He didn't hit it. He got his second. And then he like almost passed out on bench press. So still I was half right there, but I didn't give him any chance to win because of how he lifts anyone. And then the two guys I predicted were going to battle and we made graphics for didn't get into the top three. Yeah. Yeah. Pan That sounds like that was a just, compounding variables we knew he was hurt and then he got sick and so that was just kind of like it, a thing that it just it he he made do with what he could and honestly probably did better than he, he likely should have um in the sense of kind of trying to put it together um but yeah eddie i mean again i yeah i mean we knew eddie had the strength he just never has put it together on the ipf world stage and he finally did um, and then Joe, I mean, Joe, I mean, just straight up, Joe probably had about the worst meat possible. Um, he was way up on, I believe he was way up on openers, uh, yeah. like forecasted total. He, he was definitely the favorite, um, him and Eddie, but yeah, just couldn't put it together. I think he went six for nine, missed all of his, or five for nine, missed yeah. all of his third attempts in the second attempt bench. Um, no one, I wouldn't say anyone really had a great meet. Jonathan well, Garcia, um, only made one bench press. Um, it, it was it was kind of just a, a, a battle of survival there. Eddie Berglund did break Charles Sapoko's old record, right? Uh, I, believe I, believe, so. I believe I believe he did. So, I mean, in spite of a bad meet, for, I mean, I wouldn't say a bad meet because we're we're gonna see this a lot with IPF Worlds. Like people were missing lifts all over the place and still mm-hmm. having good meets. Um, it just happens at this type of meet. Um. And Eddie Berglund still with that total walks out with a higher total than Charles, which was untouchable for a while. So I, I have to eat a bunch of crow on that one. I mean, I did, I did not give him any chance to win. 
Um, I was very uh, obviously very high on Joe. I called him my breakout performer of the year. There's still competitions to be had, so possibly he can uh, he can still get that title from me. For my understanding, weight cut wasn't great for him either. Had to cut a lot of weights. Seemed to perfect uh, affect his performance. Anyone? Yes. Chime in. Yes, that's what I heard as well. I mean, we, we talked about it on the preview show. Travel was going to be a thing for everyone. Uh, and you know what? It actually doesn't surprise me that Eddie was the least kind of uh, affected because he's probably the most uh, uh, experienced person within this top five mm-hmm. in the sense of travel and IPF worlds. Yeah. So what do you think, Solana? Yeah, I mean, overall, like Pana couldn't even show up to like for tips for his performance. That's how sick he was. So I was not shocked that he did not do well. I'm in shock. He got all three squats. I thought he would die. The fact that he was still over the grind was pretty impressive in my opinion. Um, but then bench and dead just went horribly downhill for him. And I'm just happy he showed up at that point. But Joe, yeah, just like you said, like we were all high on Joe. He just didn't have a good day. Apparently he said weight cut. I didn't know it was a weight cut, but I was definitely like in shock. Cause like, his first attempt bench moved great. And then second, just hit a wall. Mm-hmm. So it was really just like, things are going well. No, mm-hmm. like hard stop. And that can happen. And I guess travel is probably a part of it, even though he did go to USVI. Which yeah. is- USVI is like traveling from like Chicago to Florida though. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a hard, you <laughs> know, South Africa was a hard travel for everyone. I see. And I think you see the effects on travel for everyone at this meet. Everyone is affected by it somehow, like some worse than others. Uh, we talked about Heather Connor. That was worse. Gavin Aiden, that was worse. Yeah. I mean, the infamous monkey who got loose. Um, so it was it was a tough travel for a lot of people. Just there's a different set of circumstances, and Joe wasn't really able to perform. Uh, Pana, so this is the funny thing. We posted the graphic, and we had people reach out to us like, dude, Pana's hurt. And I'm like, we still got to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's a defending champion. And we could only yeah. speculate with this. Like we don't have a very good or close relation or interaction with foreign lifters. We just don't in America, or at least I don't. I mean, other others might, but Pana was, was, yeah, I, I knew he was hurt. I just don't want to say that he's snapped up and hurt. Like, cause I don't know the extent of his energies, his injuries. And it's, it was clearly bad. He was hobbling off the platform and it was a ballsy performance for him to get that third squat and to grind through everything. Like he grinds. I have respect for him. I would like to wait. I would like to see him change the way he trains so we can see a really good Paniutis, but like it, it this circum, I mean, competing her, defending his champion, his championship. I have to respect him for it. Um, a lot of admiration and congratulations, Jonathan Garcia getting second too. Um, yeah. a lot of- Jonathan put together, he, he's had issues putting together a full meet and this was his best performance yet, especially coming through on deadlift. Um, it was really good to see him really put together, uh, the total that he's more capable of. And then some guy, I mean, one person we, we really counted out was Kyoto from Japan. Yep. I mean, we really didn't give him much of a chance. Um, and he did great. I, I mean, he got third. He beat Joe on body weight. Um, and that was, again, we were just wrong on every accord on this weight class. Yeah. I he mean, got the most of my lifts, too. Top five. Yeah. I counted out everyone who wasn't named Joe Jordan or Bonnie Utis to any of these. Like, I, I yeah. counted out most of that weight class. And I said some pretty scathing things about Eddie. And he won. So, it was definitely cold take central on 66 kilos. Um and you know, I think I 70. think I, I think with uh, just one 
thought that going into Sheffield, Eddie's a good guy still to have at Sheffield. He was always, you said it himself, he can bomb out or have the highest total ever. You don't know. And you saw the, the ladder on this one. He was actually able to have the highest total ever in that weight class. Yep. So segue to 74. If we were uh, very wrong on 66, 74, at least the winner. Um, yeah, that, it wasn't a competition. I um, well, I was all. wrong. Blake Barrett was my guy. <laughs> but I don't want to say we were wrong because that was a legitimate option because he he took a poll to pull in the second place. Yeah, I believe. No, he was going to pull. Yeah, he was trying to pull in the second. Yeah. So I don't want to even say we're wrong there. It, we actually had good takes in that weight class. It was just the fact that it just came down. It literally came down to five kilos between second place to fifth place. Mm. And so therefore, I, I wouldn't call us wrong by any means. It was legitimately just like slight little execution things. But we had, other than Clinton Lee, who we didn't really talk about, we pretty much had the idea of who was going to be in the like top five to six. I want to point out something. I made the post on two white lights yesterday and both of you shared on your stories. We're talking about storylines, IPF worlds. One of the most things that was requested from us was Taylor Atwood getting 790 in spite of him sandbagging and being hurt. I'm like, okay, it's a storyline. What the fuck do you want us to talk about? How are we going to talk about that? We've seen it before. <laughs> How am I going to provide analysis to this? It was a sandbag meet where he dominated. Yep. He ruins everything, by the way. That would have been a great weight yeah. class if it wasn't for him being that good at powerlifting. 75 kilos was awesome in USAPL because Perk and Edward were gone. I love you too, yep. guys. You're too damn good at this sport because you ruin it. <laughs> ruin it for everyone. Because it was awesome. The only story was great. The only storyline with Taylor. The only storyline with Taylor was the very obvious strategic play to go 790. Because his current world record is 790.5, and he didn't want to make Sheffield any harder. So, yeah, I'll say it now. Maybe I'll, I'll put a foot in my mouth, but just give him the money. Hate it. Yeah. Yeah, what was the Living Color Show? Hated it. Hated that he did that, too. I, I was watching it and just like, uh, we had to watch a sandbag performance. Is IPF Worlds really a filler meet for him? You know how he did Ultimate Warrior to get to Nationals, and that was a filler meet for me? Is that IPF Worlds to Taylor Atwood? Is that how yes. good he is? Yeah. yeah. Solana, you're right. <laughs> he is. <that> good. <laughs> Any thoughts, Solana? At first, I was like, at first, like, maybe he's going super light because he's hurt. And then I saw the third, so I was like, never mind. I'll shut up. <laughs> any any other thoughts, Solana, on the, the rest of the weight class? Honestly, no. Like, it was cool to see second through fifth. It was pretty much execution that got us our placements. Um, but... Not much more to say. Mm. See, who was second and third? Who do you have? Who who did uh, we have there? Paul Rimbovell got second. I mean, probably kudos to Joshua Wright. Um, I don't think any of us had him in our top three, but he went nine for nine. That was the difference. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think some other lifters had a little higher ceiling, but Josh went nine for nine. And that got him into third, and he was able to get that on body weight because he for sure had the body weight advantage. He had like two kilos less than everyone else. Mm. So yeah. kudos there on him for being able to just execute on meet day um, when others couldn't. Also, going nine for nine at this meet was clearly a difficult thing to do. Um, we didn't see a whole lot of wow performances from lifters. We're going to talk – I'm going to maybe get to that, but, like, IPF Worlds usually yields battles and some, like, one or two wow performances. Like, this is an all-time performance. We've seen that, I think, from two lifters. Um, potentially only one if you really look at it, but – 
going nine for nine, and the reason why going nine for nine is hard. Um, I gotta respect Atwood and Russ for able to do it like clinically at these IPF Worlds meets. That's what they've been able to do. And th- same thing with Keiko, he was still able to go eight for nine. But we'll get to that later. But I can tell you what is a wow, Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leflarbros.com, use promo code 2WL15, ORC15, and Solana15 to get yourself some of the best powerlifting merchandise in the game. Leflar Bros had an t- amazing week. Lots of medals. It's, we all have jewelry now on Leflar Bros. And Enrique Lugo was able to get seconds. Fantastic week for Leflar Bros, and we all look good doing it. You know why? Because Leflar Bros only makes fantastic looking hats, which I'm wearing. Did the camel one, do, very old one too. Do I count as part? Of, I bring. I got six medals to bring to sure. Leflar Bros. If I, if the Orc 15 carries over, sure, of course. All right, so we're gonna give Leflar Bros 12 medals. All right, let's keep doing it. We're just gonna and all the participation medals that possibly were given out. We just keep on doing yeah. it. Like you keep on giving it to people. Which are the same? Which were the same color as the bronze medal? I freaking know. I was like, oh, I almost no. threw mine in the garbage. Oh, no. I almost threw mine in the garbage. Oh. I was like, this is embarrassing. Oh, I did not know that till now. But yep. that, that was that was horrible breaking news on my end. Uh, well, you don't have to know. He got second. Yeah, but still, I don't like that for <laughs> knowing that. I, I, want, I don't want the sport to be a joke. Uh, they make you look good with the comp tees. Saw a lot of those this week. The socks as well. Use promo code 2WL15ORC15 and Solana15. Buy three different things. They also still have two white lights merchandise on leftlarbros.com. So use all those codes. You can still use the hashtag Steve is better than Angelo. And I think it's Solana is better than everyone. Then two white lights. Oh, and then two white lights. And then, okay. No, hashtag buy the dip. Yeah, hashtag oh buy the dip. Yeah, that's 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 a really hashtag good one. Hashtag buy the dip. I like that one a lot. And I forgot my hashtag. I think it's just Angelo is better than Steve. But use yeah, all those. We're promos. just trying to fight between each other. Yeah, use three separate things. You're gonna get three separate reposts if you do that too. Tag Left Floor Bros. Tag Two White Lights. Follow them on Instagram as well. And back on to IPF Worlds. All right, 83 kilo weight class. This was an interesting one for a lot of reasons. Delaney Wallace won. He would admit sloppy performance. He also got lucky that Tim Monagati did not have a good performance at all. He was a very, uh, I was incredibly surprised to see the dip in his total. Was not su- expecting that. We put it in the 820 to 30 range to win. Delaney got way less than that, but Ina seals the show and all the storylines from that weight class. More people were talking about his deadlift than Delaney's first place finish, which sucks. I would fucking hate that. And it happened. And it, like, I love Ina, but it kind of pisses me off because I always talk about, like, oh, you know, I don't want these, you know, one lift specialists getting all the glory. And then that happens. And he was he was almost the, the, the guy to do it. He, he gets 800 on his second attempt or close to 800. I think it was 797 to be 799.1. Yeah. Ina corrected me on it, which I'm like, okay, cool. You can correct me all you want. He gets on a second attempt. It looks pretty wrapped up. Delaney misses his third on deadlift. He loads up 850. I don't think anyone's expecting to pull it. I want a camera, or I want there to be a footage on Delaney when that was happening. (laughs) Because he had to be shaking. He had to be panicking. 
because there is no way in hell you would expect it to happen, and it almost happened, and it was almost the first time since Christoph Wierbeski that someone was able to pull something for a win when they had no business of winning this meet. I mean, a I don't even think you bench? Can, can, what? You can't even compare him to Christoph because I think that's higher than Christoph's best lift. <laughs> yeah. And that's 83. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's it's crazy. Honestly, the two the two most distinct things I remember from Raw Nationals and from IPF Worlds are two missed deadlifts. Yep. And Very Dave Wilson and Eno. Yeah, Those are the two most hype moments of both meets that they both almost hit those if, yeah. Um, because yeah, I mean, we were expecting a big battle between Tim and Delaney. Um, Tim just didn't have a good day, missed depth on squats. And then just from there, just really, it wasn't putting together. So that really wasn't even a battle. Honestly, uh, urines, uh, he was, he was challenging Delaney more if Delaney didn't execute, but for the most part, Delaney after, after Tim fell off on squats, it was just kind of his, I mean, mm-hmm. even though he didn't have a great beat, he really wasn't challenged too much until Ina threw on that 847 or 850 and almost just blew up all of powerlifting. That would have been the most amazing lift in the history of the sport. Mm-hmm. I had opinion. a moment where I thought to myself, like, I love Delaney, but I was like, if Ina wins, he deserves it. And <laughs> Delaney deserves second place because that was incredible to watch. Yeah, I mean, part of me, yeah, part of me is like, this would have been the greatest story ever. I, none of us, I mean, I think on the previous show, we said, you know, we're just mentioning because he could get more clout than everyone by pulling 800, which was accurately predicted. Yes. I mean, he pulled 800 or close to 800 and he got more clout as a result of that. And based on his pull that you see in training, he can get that. But, you know, that's in his wheelhouse. Didn't think 850 was in his wheelhouse though. Didn't think that going into this meet, didn't know it would be something that you would load up on a bar unless it was a joke. Actually, when I saw it loaded up on the bar, I've never seen an 83 have that extra red on there. So I was confused on what was being pulled. When it's 800, so I'm like, oh, I haven't seen a yellow on top of that red in a long time. And then when I saw the other red, I'm like, is that like 750 pounds? Like, what is this? This is an opener? But no, it was, just, it was 100 pounds more than that. Unbelievable. And, yeah, almost walked away with it. If he did, I mean, it would just prove that bench doesn't matter, right? 140-kilo 100, <laughs> bench has to big, be the biggest difference between bench and deadlift in IPF USAPL history, right? Yeah, probably. It could be, yeah, probably. No no research done at all. I could just safely assume that. 140 to, was it, 363? 62.5. Oh my God. Okay. Um, I guess I, I mean, to, I mean, to the whole thing, Delaney disappointing performance. I think I, again, I think I know what his problem is. If he, I was competing at this meet, he had no problem out totally me because he does it at every meet. If I'm not competing there, that's when he has his down meet. So thanks for that Delaney. Thanks for always to not perform when I'm not there. Save your good Need performances for me, man. <laughs> I love it. It's great. But honestly, what do you think his problem is as far as – because this is – now it's two meets in a row. The the one in Austin, IP, uh, Powerlifting America Nationals, I was like, okay, it's a, it's a filler meet. He knows he's going to walk away with it pretty easy. This is not a filler meet. I mean, no one said – I mean, no one came into this thinking that 802 would win. So I, I think it's maybe the short turnaround, the travel, everything combined into it. But it's it's something that needs to be addressed, and he has Sheffield to address it, so that's good. 
Yeah, I was gonna say like literally. I think maybe just travel. It hit everyone. Um, because I don't know what else it would really be. He doesn't really have to do a big cut. It's not a big cut. Like he did a water cut of like what six pounds, and he maintained a low body weight after. Um, what's it called? The well, not the pro. Nationals. After Austin, Texas, yeah, he competed. So. Yeah, no, thank you. I could not think of the only thing I'll say. I I don't want to say six pounds is little, because it depends on the person. Yeah. Some people six pounds can have a big effect. Some people that has zero effect. So I don't know. I don't. You, Sana, you actually in sense know better because you're closer to Delaney. But I'm just I'm 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 saying that for the fact that like six pounds for some people can be a lot, and some people can be absolutely nothing. Everyone's different in kind of how they respond to that. That's true. I don't know. Happy he won. Not his best day. Was pretty disappointed he missed the last deadlift. He got it, but like he's soft lockout. So they were being they were being extra extra strict with that, from my understanding. So that soft shoulders was what they were calling a lot of. I don't know if I agree with it. It's a hard call to make because um, really it just has to be slightly past the hips, and apparently they wanted people to hyperextend, which you know people can do. Occasionally that fucks up my deadlift though, but I mean I was gonna be in IPF worlds and I still got two white lighted at USAPL, so hell I could have got two red lighted at IPF. But um yeah, I, I, I know they were being extra strict with that, but Jurens Jurens got second, correct? Yeah, he yep. got second. All right, that's an awesome story there. I love Jurens and um and you know, he was say, and he was kinda we were having conversations. He was trying to stay within the range, see what he needed to do, very seasoned competitor and Happy to see it. He's good people and comes down to execution at the end of the day. Tim simply didn't execute his lifts. And let's face it, squatting high got to him. He does squat high in training. Occasionally in comp, he squats high and doesn't get called for it. So we see what happens this time. Unfortunate for him. I was expecting a battle. I was hoping a battle. That one kind of let me down, not going to lie. Especially because it's my weight class. We wanted to see, like, if, I mean, imagine this week if Delaney also totaled 820 or 820 to 830. Look at the, look at the state of 82 and a half to 83 kilos. You're looking at an incredibly stacked weight class and a potentially beatable Russ Orhe, but you don't get that. Um, still not counting Delaney out of it, though. He has sold 822 in the past. Excited to see what he does at Sheffield. The rebound's going to be there. Hopefully, he can win himself some money. All right. Unless we have any thoughts, can we move on to the 93s? Yes, we Let's can. The fun class. When we did this, now, when I did the story post, aside from, on the men's side, aside from Taylor Atwood getting a lot of requests that we talk a lot about Taylor Atwood sandbagging a performance, the biggest story was this weight class and Chance Mitchell winning. If you would have told me Chance Mitchell would win and beat Jonathan Keiko by going six for nine, I would have called you a liar to your face and to never talk to me again. And he did it. Also, wrapping it up on second pull. Mm. I would not have seen that coming. I did not count chance out uh, to win. Well, I wouldn't say wrapped it up. He won it on his second pull because of an issue that occurred. Explain that issue. So, well, let's kind of go. Well, we got to kind of explain the scenario as we go through. So, yes, I agree that if you told me Chance was going six for nine, no way he wins. But 
in reality, he more went like eight for nine because yeah. he didn't redo his opener on squat. He didn't redo his opener on deadlift. So in reality, he kind of went eight for nine. It was kind of a weird day for him, but he obviously performed well. It really, if you're looking, if you're watching throughout the day, it looked like Chance, Keiko, and Headland were like neck and neck. Even though it ended up being Emil Krestev finishing in second, that was more of him just kind of like letting everyone else miss. The issue was, and I, 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 I didn't know if this was planned. I was wondering what happened, but Keiko posted that there was a mistake and they couldn't change attempt selection on time because I wondered why he put in 350 because he didn't need 350. He only needed 345 or he, well, actually he only needed like, maybe it was even 340. Uh, Maybe it's 342, whatever it was. Chance's second attempt didn't move amazing. Like I, I, and Chance even said deadlifts didn't feel great on the day. He said the platform had divots. It was like doing a deficit sumo. I did not think Chance had 383.5, but what Keiko put in with 350 was going to force Chance to go 383.5. If Keiko went 345, I think Keiko hits that. Like, no problem. And then that forced Chance to have to go, I believe, 378.5. And I don't know if he has that. That would have been like a 50-50 shot. And I was kind of wondering why that didn't happen. And it sounds like there may have been an issue with getting attempt selection on time, and they tried to do that. That's what I think that's it hurts. to hear. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I think it, it, it hurts going not being there as well. Like, that's what hurts. Um so I heard the same thing too. I wasn't, I mean, I'm not the coach guy, so I don't quite, when people start telling me attempt selections, like that's why I'm the guy who lifts and not the guy who calls this shit because I, it, it's, it's a strategy. It is a game and you have to do that with the big puller. And when you're the subtotal guy like Heiko, you have to put in your attempts wisely in order to put some pressure on the deadlift guy to actually hit deadlifts because it's not a guarantee that you hit deadlifts. Um, and yeah, I will, I will, uh, echo that on, on chances performance. It was, it was an eight for nine day. Um, adverse and ad, like so much adversity on that day because missing a squat's got to be jarring. He actually missed his second too, but it got overturned. Then he was able to hit his third. And from there he was able to, to go and have a real gutsy performance to beat one of the best lifters of all time. At this point, uh, massive accomplishment. Solana, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a ballsy performance, too. Like, to miss your first and still jump up. And the same thing with the deadlift. Like, I was like, when I watched it, I was like, oh, my God. Like, he's going to retake it. If he retakes these numbers, it's over. But he trusted himself, and he convinced the coaches to let him do it, which probably was like, you know, will they allow you to go up? Because I know the whole goal, obviously, is to win. But, like, as the coach, will you allow your lifter to go up when you miss? On depth, it was I, on depth, right? I believe so. But yes, you, you, yeah. But you got to That's... IPF worlds. You have to like if you miss that and have to make a big jump on third. It, I think it's over for Chance, right? Well, as well as Chance hasn't really had issues with that. I trust him on that. Yeah. It's not like he has a history of missing depth. But don't team like they have team coaches. It's not like was his personal coach there? No, Arian was no. doing it. But you well, coach, but... well, Chance doesn't have a coach. Uh, well, yeah. So, like, it's the coach doesn't really know you like that. So, that's what makes me, like, I'm surprised he let you do it when he doesn't know you super well. I know Aaron does the research, but, like, still. Well, I think in that situation, because you're always gunning for your country win. So, in that situation, it's like you could err on the side of a lifter because the other guy's also Team America. So, like, I, I don't know. I I guess I, I guess Arian would be good because I would ha- I would 
be led to believe that he at least knows Kant's a little bit to trust him. Like, Arian is a avid follower of powerlifting, uh, part of the King of Lifts I like, too. And he is able to, I think, have a better understanding of his lifter. Um, I just think the mental fortitude to stick with it is insane. Uh, missing an opener IPF Worlds and going up and then missing another lift and then going, it's it's a difficult thing to do, and Chance nailed it. Also, want to get this point out there. I think uh, he tagged me on a post, like the deadlift hero and almost never wins competition. You're no longer the deadlift hero, Chance. You have a bigger squat than Keiko. So you're chance. better than Keiko in two lifts. You beat him on two-thirds of the sport. That's why you're winning, and that's why you won. So that's just a uh, thought. Steve? What else you got? It, well, I was going oh, to so say, it's a big deal. Like, you know, Keiko is Mr. Perfect. He can't be Mr. Perfect anymore. Yeah, that yeah, breaks yeah, that was his long first miss in like 54 attempts or something like that. Yeah. So, like I mean, joke. the one thing I'll say, I honestly thought like the- Gustav was looking really solid through squat, even through bench. It looked like he was right there, just didn't seem to have it come deadlift. It just wasn't his day, never was there. Um, Gavin Aiden had an amazing comeback after missing 320 on deadlift. I, he put in 335, and I'm going to be honest, I, I didn't think that was going to be there. Ended up locking it out, and that pulled him in the fourth, which is fantastic. Uh, and like I said, Emil Krastev just kind of just hung in there. He let everyone else kind of miss and kind of jockey for position. He didn't try to pull for the win, and he just kind of snuck in there in the second place. Um, but, yeah, the big story, obviously – um, is the fact that I was the only analyst on any podcast to choose chance. And so, yeah, that's where we can end this episode. At least we had in my second. Some podcasts barely talked about but, him at all. Let's say this. Matt Gary came up to me at Raw Nationals and said, uh, uh, fantastic uh, data and research on chance, knowing and actually looking into it. Yeah, there's probably some reading in between the lines there. But um yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised Chance won. You know, like, if you told me Chance won, I wouldn't be surprised of it. I just couldn't bet against Keiko, and Keiko still went 8 for 9. I mean, it's like the Joe DiMaggio of powerlifting. He 54 hit streak, or 56 hit streak for Joe DiMaggio, 54 for uh, Keiko. And it's an incredibly difficult thing to do in powerlifting, especially at that high level. It's not done, though. This weight class is going to continue to be incredibly... Uh, competitive, and also I want to throw, I just want to drop this in here right now. Brandon Petrie. And we're going to talk about him more on next episode. But Brandon Petrie, 90 kilos. Highest total of the weekend from those gentlemen. I don't know, don't have any inside information, but Brandon Petrie, think he goes the uh, IPF route? Yes. He posted on his story that, so we don't have to have inside information. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't even post on the story. When did he post that? I'm but, pretty sure he posted. I'm pretty sure he posted on his story that he was going IPF. I thought like I missed it, but well, all right. Yeah, I didn't now see that the show. only thing I wonder is he attended that NGB meeting and it sounded like he had some things that because I I I believe that this is a lot of pros. There are a lot of pros I do not think who are very happy with the route of the pro series, which is making IPF more uh, well appealing. Really? Well, well, I wonder if the NGB helped at all, but at the same time, I, I well, he posted on his story that he was leaning, he was going IPF. I thought. Okay, I didn't see that. Sorry, sorry, Preetri, if I'm not viewing your story. You're too damn handsome, and it makes me feel bad about myself. Um, and also, you're great at powerlifting too. You, you know, killed it this week. Uh, I'm just saying though, you add him into this mix of 93s, it becomes that much better. It's it's 
all these guys are sticking around, you know? Like, these guys aren't going anywhere. I would maybe think Gavin Aiden to another weight class. Maybe that's just me. Maybe. Maybe that's just me for me. Maybe. I mean, he doesn't hate Solana. Well, here's the weird part, though. All four in the U.S., and that's one of the issues of the IPF worlds, is we legitimately, like, Gavin's been doing IS, or Virgin Islands, but legitimately, we have four of the best six 93-kilo lifters in the world in the U.S. Good point, but I don't think Chance is coming to the USAPL or Keiko. So... Well, I know. I'm just saying. I'm well, no, I mean, it would be great if only a only one yeah. or two of them are going to go. It'll be great mm -hmm. for a Keiko and Chance to come over. Because, all right, hot take: the best in the world's in the USAPL. Oh, Chance is going to get pissed off at that. But the best in the world in that within that weight class range is in the USAPL. Objectively speaking, higher total. So he's the man to beat, right? Just like in the 83s, Russ is the man to beat. He's in the USAPL. Mm, Keiko Keiko total higher than Petrie though this year. All right, fine, whatever. You're ruining all. I don't. My, I don't fully disagree. I don't fully disagree. But objectively speaking, Keiko has towers higher than any of them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now that's confusing. I will say. <laughs> now it's just confusing. All right. Now I'm back onto it. Petri in the IPF. <laughs> but you. you do I hope it does go. In certain weight classes, it makes sense. You know, like certain weight classes make sense. If Jess Espanol wants to go to uh, IPF, it makes total sense for her. Um, if Petrie wants to go to IPF, it makes total sense for him. That's where the mm -hmm. best are competing as a whole. Uh, he had a, I mean, he had a, he had himself a really good meet there um, at Mega Nationals, uh, an astounding meet. But you know, you're going to be pushed harder at the IPF level. So it's a certain weight classes make sense to go into. Um, it almost makes as much sense as buying obsidian ammonia smelling salts. Ladies and gentlemen, go to hypedust.com and get yourself some smelling salts. Best smelling salts in powerlifting. They have different sort of scents. They have different sort of uh, strengths that hit you. My boy, Andrew Tran, got to share this story. He was driving 18 hours from Austin, Texas to Las Vegas for Mega Nationals to work on me, Solana, 17 other people not sleeping. What he was doing was ripping ammonia smelling salts, obsidian ammonia smelling salts, and listening to two white lights the entire way. True story. He was starting to uh, quote us, and it was getting really weird at the Airbnb that he listened to that much where he actually remembered what we said. But he did. Use promo code 2WL15. Go to hypedust.com and get yourself some smelling salts. All right. Any last thoughts on the 93s? Because there's a lot to unpack there. I was going to say, because Gavin pulled to fourth place after missing his second attempt, I no longer think he needs to work at Starbucks. You're allowed to stay here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was about to ask you that. I'm like, does he is he going to be a barista soon? Are you revoking that? Are you not going to send his application? What's the deal? He didn't have any problems with his weight cut aside from the monkey stealing all of his shit, right? This is very true. <laughs> like right, I mean, I mean, he almost had an incredible problem there, which always seems to happen to Gavin. I don't know what's going on. Like Daytona, I think he cut his hand and his water and his cut went really bad for that. He killed it at Daytona last year. Was a weird situation. This one is the weirdest situation of all time. Like you could not draw it up. You can't write it in a script where it makes any sense and where people would be like, "That's." If you put it in a comedy, people would be like, "It's fucking stupid." Not even funny. That's like a that's dumb slapstick comedy. 
Well, it happened to Gavin, and he was still able to get fourth. So, good on you. Good on you, Gavin. Anything else from you, Steve? Nope, that's it. All right. Well, I, I just I, uh, that take that take is going to get me into some trouble about Chance and Petrie, which I want that to happen. I, w- I want it to be piss off someone enough where there's actual competition between all of them again. So we're going to go up to the 105 kilo weight class. So this was a pretty hot battle going to the last deadlift here. Steve, what did you see? I mean, all day it was Emil versus Michael Davis. Michael Davis was forecasted leading almost the entire day. Probably when we get to Raw Nationals, we're going to talk a little bit more about the uh, the, uh, the 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 myth of forecasted total, meaning you are leading a meet. Doesn't really mean much. Um, but he was in the lead, and then I'll be honest, I I didn't get to, I. I saw the final polls, but that was the last thing I saw. I was more following on good lift and I could just kind of see it happening. And obviously the big thing we saw is Michael missed his second, I believe on grip came out on his third, went over under instead, grinded it out and locked it out, which then forced Emil Norling to have to jump up 15 kilos, grinded out a crazy 377.5 to win it. And honestly, that, that this is one of those ones that like, I don't know if one was stronger than the other on the day. Like a lot of these classes, we can kind of say this person was stronger or they should have won or both these guys were about darn even. It just, it just came down to the fact that one of them got to load up the final poll. And that's the benefit of getting the final poll. Like um, it, you could be the same strength, but if one person gets to know the exact number they need to, and they get to put it on the bar, they get to do it. And that's kind of what Emil got to do there. Yep. Solana, how about you? what did you say? Yeah. I agree. I got to watch a decent chunk of this meet and I was rooting for Michael Davis because Team USA and it killed me when I saw that second attempt to slip out of his hand. <laughs> I was like, you could have had that. And then, yep, he switched over under. He got it. But had he gotten that second, he could have gone higher, pushed him even more. He could have taken it. So it sucks because we talked about gripping a problem. And it came and it hurt him on meat day. But Emil had a great meat. Yeah, Emil's no joke, though. I mean, he is so damn good. Um, and I, I would, again, I would want, I want to see the, the, the 105s, how it would actually take, like, take shape. Um, I, I think I talked about it when, uh, when, uh, the TSS crew is on Two White Lights. Ashton Ruska, Emil Norling, Mikey Davis, Bryce Lewis, all within that weight class and see what they can push each other to would be incredible. And Anatoly. Anatoly, too. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's a little different situation there. It's not, it's not going up to going down to 90, one going up to 110. It's a war. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that weight class can be unbelievable um, if you have all of them uh, in it. Emil Norling is still one of those guys that, I mean, between the two and Mikey Davis, I really couldn't pick between the two, um, was pulling for Mikey Davis. I know a lot of people were upset at me with the uh, my predicted deadlift for him. I couldn't have been more right. Right, like it's it's a it's a difficult thing. I want to reiterate. It's not because I don't think Mikey D is capable, which I guess is another counseling episode because that weirdly happened when we we got him on the phone last episode. It's more so. It's not easy to come back from a meet where you were deadlifting and you tore your adductor and have to regain that confidence in getting your leverage back and getting used to weights and 
doing it on hook grip because I still think hook grip provides a massive, or not massive, a lot of issues with holding onto your deadlift, especially how explosive it is with his deadlift. And yeah, I actually think 793 is great for him that he pulled. I think it's a fantastic thing to walk away with considering the path he's had to get back here. I know he wanted to win. He probably felt he deserved to win. Joey probably felt he deserved to win. I wanted to see him win. But this second place is good for Mikey. It's something that he can build off of and go into next year and challenge other lifters. So it's a solid meet from him. Um, I was getting called out, though, as far as that cold take goes. And I, I mean... It, for all the times I'm wrong, I love like I love having like a hundred bad takes, and then getting one right, and then thinking you're a fucking genius. It's like, yeah, how about the other hundred takes he got wrong? This one, I was hoping I was wrong. I was hoping he could pull eight sixteen, but I just didn't give him more than the seven eighty two to seven ninety two range. I thought seven ninety two was his top end. And you were correct. So, I think, like you said, it's a good. It's kind of a good thing because it's gonna push him even more. I think next year, like another year underneath his belt, like he can have, he can take it next year. We shall see. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, there's factors here, but Emil's kind of been at the same total for a while. Um, the last three meets have all been around the same area. Um, Mikey has a very good shot at coming back and, and winning this next year. Mm. I, I really think he's got a really good shot and I, I don't think, I don't believe Ashton's going to leave or go over. I don't think Bryce plans on going back up. Eh. The only thing is Anatoly coming back. <clears throat> yeah, Ash. Ash is always like spacey what he wants to do, though, right? Like he's going to do showdown. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. I actually think if he has a good performance at the Pro Series, you could possibly see him at IPF. So, and 105 is a really good weight class for him. Because he can, I think, easily still walk into that weight class. Um, but yeah, the, it, it's, an, it's one of my favorite weight classes to watch. Unfortunately, I wasn't really... I, by the way, guys, I wasn't able to watch a lot of these weight classes because we were commentating and we still had like the busiest week of all time. Um, but I, it is one of my favorite weight classes to watch. And I didn't get to see uh, Kyorantin Clement. How did he do? Bad. He got fifth place and he went four for nine. Yeah, four for nine. Okay. He missed both second and third bench, missed his second and third dead, missed his opening squat, came back and retook it, and then went up to 716 for the squat. So just poor execution. All right. Well, I guess the – because I think we talked about it. At times, his training looks not good, and Mm -hmm. he just performed on meet day last year. This year, um, I think we're seeing some of those issues that we're seeing in his training actually come back and uh, haunt him when it comes to meet day. Who got third then? Uh, uh, we Britain. had Abdul. Okay. Yeah, Abdul Salimhan. All right. Fantastic. So he, had, he had a fantastic day, nine for nine. Yeah. Like we always say, it comes down to hit lifts and executed lifts. All right. Are we good to go to the 120s? Yep. All right, Steve, 120 winner. No one saw this one coming, which is nope. a speaking point. <laughs> right? So I can't comment much on – this is one of the – the, this class and then the next class, I did not see anything. I did not was able to follow it all. So I'm, I am not making good takes. The only thing I know is that uh, Lugo loaded up what he needed to win. He locked it out and got called on soft shoulders. 
I could see that. I mean, obviously I was cheering for him, but I, I can understand the call at that level. Um, but yeah, Mohamed Sahad, I don't have much to say about him. He's from Algeria. Um, not going to lie. Wouldn't be surprised to see a retroactive test in the future come back because Algeria is one of those countries that don't test um, as far as I know. And those are all, that's one of those countries that uh, we see people come out of nowhere. Did he get, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll get some flack for that. This, I don't, Probably know won't. I don't think anyone week. in Algeria listens to this podcast, but I check that numbers. was kind of one of those ones that I was kind of like, I wonder if he's ever been drug tested in his entire life. I don't know if he was tested at this meet. Now, someone could confirm this to me who was actually there, but this is, yeah, I don't know. No, I'm not going to bring, I don't want to get into a drug testing conversation right now. I just don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we did not see that one coming at all. It is a virtual unknown to us coming in and taking the 120s. Um, Lugo with that deadlift, I saw it. I was actually going to white light it. I mean, it's hard because it's so much bias there. Like, a lot of bias on my end. Left Bros, him being a friend of mine, wanted to see him get through that one. I was very busy as well that morning, um, so I couldn't see it. Uh, Flex was showing me some of the videos and... Yeah, um, it's unfortunate for him. I would have liked to see him pull through. I think, I, I I think you're seeing this a lot. I mean, just with IPF Worlds, it's such a hard meet to execute your lifts at, and I could just tell it was more. It was just difficult for Lugo because it's just difficult. You know, you you can't really rely on all your lifts when you take that big travel when you have all that adversity going towards you. So I think. Second place is good for him, especially when um, I, I don't – at the beginning of the year, I don't think anyone is really looking at him winning the 120s. So second place is great for him. Solana, what do you think? I'm just looking at Mohammed's like, open fire lift thing. It's not our fault we didn't know. The meet before up here says 1802 total. In 2028. 2019. Oh, no, we're not saying it's I know, our fault. I know the year. Yeah. But, like, you just had no information. <laughs> no one had any goddamn idea. If someone's going to say like, they did, they're lying to your person? face. Yeah, no one knows. So I don't want to hear anything that people are like, yeah, I, I saw this one coming. No, no one saw yeah. it. And I guess this is the, the – Algeria is the one that does come up in conversation a lot. That and some of the Eastern European countries. Like as far Bulgaria, as the testing stuff, Kazakhstan, Poland, were they one? Christoph Wardbeski? Did they have to make a whole rule for him? They made well. That was he. They made a rule for him because he kept going to different federations and competing and trying to come back. Okay. All right. I didn't know, but I didn't know if they were testing him out of meat regularly. Where's he from? Poland. He's from Poland. I, just I don't think that was an issue. I think it was an, Christoph was an issue because he kept going to other federations that were untested, competing, and then coming back. Um, I mean, we had Jezza Uepa from Nauru. I mean, I believe he at one point like was like, like it was pretty open that he was taking something. I don't know. Um, yeah, Algeria is one of the weird ones. It'll be fun if Muhammad hopefully, is hopefully he wasn't doing anything, but at the same time, that's part of the, the, the reason why a lot of us stuck to the USAPL is because there are some countries that do not have any testing, and I do not believe Algeria has any testing. All right. Well, that's going to be a hot take in that end. So that's good. Yep. Stir, stir up the pot yeah. a little bit uh, as far as controversy <laughs> goes. It's good. 
All right, can we move on to 120-plus? The Supers? Yeah, well, speaking yeah, we of Algeria, a person in second was from Algeria on that one, too, that we didn't talk about. Elias Bugalem, another one. But for the most part, Jesus had about the worst meat possible based off yeah. of technicalities and still ran away with this by, like, 70 kilos. Now, uh, Solana, I think you knew a little bit more about what the calls were. I think he was getting called on soft knees. He was getting called on depth. It was, I- it was just not... Not a day. A lot that of soft knee. To... A lot of soft knee calls, and this was. Yeah. This, of course, I mean, when I see this, and I saw three straight weight classes happen to, I'm like, uh, is this the IPF kind of shafting American lifters? Because I don't know, like soft knees on some of these. I, I I don't know. I'm like I. This is how his lifts looked. This is how they looked at IPF Worlds last year. He was getting white lights. He also has about. He has about the best depth for a heavyweight, too. I know. I was I in believe shock. He was, no, he was getting called on soft knees, which is something that... On squat? Yeah, I believe, I no, believe not so. Squat. Oh, I believe he got squat called for depth. that. It was yeah, depth. squat was depth, which he has really good depth for a heavyweight. I know. <laughs> I, could, I could maybe kind of see soft knees on deadlift, but the depth one is where I was like, I've never seen him squat high in my life. Exactly. And, like, it's so sad because 970 was so fast. It was so fast. Yeah. It sucks. I, I guess. I, I, I mean, the angle we had, we couldn't fully tell. I mean, I thought it was fine, but like, I'm not there, but still. He's like known for depth and known for good deadlifts. Yeah. He's like the king of it for super heavies. Yeah, I am looking at a squat right now. I I don't see depth at all. If that's what they're calling him for, I don't see it at all. Um, That's how his lifts always look. Um, man, I'm, yeah, that's just, that's just good depth to me. All right. <laughs> so I, 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 I was not a fan of the judging. I think he had to cut himself. I actually don't think it was a bad meet because I think he executed his lifts how he normally does. So I guess he's got to change things, but I, I would, if there was a guy who would tell, keep it the same, do what you're doing, it would be Jesus. Um, I mean, light at the end of the tunnel here though. He gets to do this at Sheffield and walk away with a bag. He gets he gets redemption there. Like all the records are there for him. Right? Oh no, they're ra- they're ra- they're Ray's records. Yeah, but they're high. Yeah, but if he would have demolished Ray's records and would have to do it again, that would be really difficult. Yeah, yeah. So, true. Uh, so if true he, on that. So but he, the records aren't low. They're over twenty four hundred. I think it's like twenty four ten or something. Oh no, I'm not saying they're low. I'm saying that he gives himself a better opportunity to do that. So you have all this time to prep and go and do that in Sheffield and fix up the things that you potentially need fixing on. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I I think I was looking forward to that performance the most, and it kind of does rob you of, like, that oh, wow performance or, the, the, mm-hmm. the like, the like the performance that we're all looking for. Because on the men's side, I think the only one I can give it to is Chance. Yeah. Right? Like, is there anyone else that uh, – maybe Eddie Berglin – Oh, Eddie, Eddie, yeah, Eddie, Eddie. Eddie taking the, but so many, all right. So I guess so many missed lists. Were it's happening not, it's not, him. oh, wow. But the fact is he did set the world record total. Yeah. I think it's not, oh, wow. Because He's, we thought Joe Jordan was going to go over that. We yeah. thought Dan Clements was going to go way over that. No, I, I would say it was more so like, uh, when I think of those performances, when I think of legendary IPF performances, I think of Taylor Atwood in 2019. Mello and Lawrence in 2019, Russ in 2019, and this uh, this past one, 
those are the performance I think about when I, I think of IPF. So did you only watch 2019 IPF Worlds? Is that Probably. the first time you ever watched it? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. Much. That's, that's, I, that, I think I talked to Pete. That was the first one I actually watched. But, I mean, ha- I mean, you know, Hack, Gibbs. You think about that stuff. This one didn't give you those performances, um, especially on the men's side. I mean, because everyone had to travel. Everyone. That was, I mean, I would say that's why. I mean, we didn't, we saw maybe well, one or two like legendary I performances mean, because I think everyone had to travel well, and the judging was really strict. It was in, consistently strict, but it was really strict. In Sweden, they have to travel too, right? Not the European. Not everyone. No, but okay. The, the performances I'm talking about, though, are Americans. They had to travel for that meet. Like, it, it happens. Like, we talk about travel being this huge thing, but then we see the good lifters perform consistently. We see Taylor Atwood go nine for nine, and we see Russ go nine for nine. We see these lifters who make the travel consistently, and it's a tar- hard travel for them, do it. Sweden is not as far as South Africa. South Africa was 40 hours for most people. Okay. Because I think a lot of them had to fly to Europe to then fly to South Africa. Okay. All right. Well... I guess I, I always thought the travel shit was not overrated in the sense that it affects you, but it's always like this thing to talk about, like constantly travel this, travel that. Like, I, I go fund me. We're sending Angelo to South Africa to do a mock meet and see how it affects him. Yes. Do it. Do it. As long as I get to go there a week in advance and do what I, because I don't know. Man, I don't know. I, I will chip in. Yes, a week in advance. <laughs> You have to fight off monkeys and live stream it. Yes. Okay. Gavin didn't have to fight any off. Actually, and you have to take a shirtlift picks with Ryan Lapidat in a flex off. I fucking hate, mm-hmm. I, I hate you And so you must much. win it. You have to win the flex off. Oh, that's that hard. If you don't win the flex off, you are not allowed to compete. Well, my hair mm-hmm. would distract most people from it, right? Like, oh, that guy at least has hair and a beard. I don't know. Here's, here's my hot take. Me staying in Vegas is a lot harder than me staying in South Africa because I was in South Africa. I would stay in my room all fucking day. In Vegas, I was tempted every goddamn day to do something fun. And I couldn't the entire time. I would have rather been in South Africa where I could have just stayed in my hotel room and not done anything fun because I'd be like, what's there to do? I don't know what's going on. There's no casinos. There's no awesome Vegas things to do. There's no me gambling once on a slot machine and getting margaritas. That didn't happen. Yeah, there's nothing fun. Way more in adversity. In, way more adversity in Vegas. So much. Just look at the strip. You're oh like, how God. can you not have fun there? I could, I could totally, I, I could stay focused. Yeah, you told me the amount of times you told me that you were like in hot sweats from not being able to go see Chippendales was incredible. Oh my God. I am not going to be. I'm not going to have this opportunity in South Africa to go see Chippendales. So, like, you don't get all those. Barry Manilow was playing, too, at the Westgate. My mom saw him. I think you and Danielle <laughs> Mello's mom saw him. <laughs> I, think, oh. yeah. I went and got my dad a souvenir because he's one of four men in the world that goes to Barry Manilow concerts. Yeah, I said that ironically, by the way. But, all right. All right. Anyway, that's just called lack of self-control. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, it's for right. sure. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, that's more adver- that's more adversity than South Africa. <laughs> Pissing off I all, do was- all the IPF people. What's up, Solana? I wanted to say, I, I re-looked at Jesus' deadlifts. Okay, I'm kind of, they were a little soft-kneed. Soft-knee? Yeah. I thought there was a potential Yeah, rant. I just watched them. I mean, the first was clean, the second and third was not as good. The squat, I still disagree, but. I thought I potentially saw ramping on it because of just the way he locks out, but 
They call them Isophanies. So, yeah. Unfortunately, I think the ramp turned into a soft knee. Just stop having in these fucking. <laughs> just stop having in South. All right. Stop having worlds in South Africa. Stop having. We're going place. to Malta next year. Woo-hoo! Stop having it in places where people don't compete. I don't care about the beauty and the scenery. You can't even. That's a frustrating thing. I can't do all of it when I'm there. Like but in you have Vegas, to pay for it. I can't fucking do anything. I can't go and have fun. So if it's a powerlifting meet, like put it somewhere kind of cool, but have it somewhere like normal. <laughs> that's that's has a lot of powerlifters there. America has a lot of powerlifters. South North America has a lot of powerlifters. Europe has a lot of powerlifters. Stop fucking. Why go to Belarus in South Africa? Last time I checked, their powerlifting scene isn't very awesome. So, all right. You know what is awesome? Stoic. Stoic here. Go to lift.net. Congratulations to all of our Stoic athletes at a big week. We had Chance Mitchell win gold. We just talked about him. Uh, Brandon Petrie also win gold. Potential showdown between two Stoic athletes. And we had another Stoic showdown between me and Sean Noriega. We all medaled. We all had great meets. And that's because of Stoic. Use promo code Angelo10 and get yourself some singlet or your singlet knee sleeves, wrist wraps. Quality. I only wear Stoic in the gym and on the platform because it is the best. Remember, lift.net, get yourself some Stoic gear. Use promo code Angelo10. All right, now on to the females. The females started off with a bang 47 kilos. Tiffany Chapone. Ends up winning best overall lifter with this performance. And she dethroned a legend in doing it. Now, this was not a battle. It was Tiffany all the way through. But, Heather, all right, want to get this out of the way. Whenever lifters start giving me the excuse first, I start tuning out. Heather's was an actual legit issue. She had a very rough travel up to Africa. With that being said, Tiffany Chapon was not beatable on this day. I don't think Heather Connor's best day defeats Tiffany Chapon, and I think this is her weight class now. Tiffany is there. She's at the head of it. And I I think I think she's going to be ahead of it for a very long time. She is unbelievable. She won by how much kilos did she win by? 29. 29 kilos in 47 kilos is a lot. That's like equivalent to Russ winning by like 70 kilos. It's not, it wasn't even close. I understand there was a travel problem there with Heather, but I don't think Heather on her best day can beat Tiffany right now. No, I mean, think? we saw Heather at Powerlifting America. I did, I, I didn't see 426.5. I saw like a perfect day going like 410 to 415. Um, I don't think Heather agrees with that. She says she has 430, but I'm I I haven't seen anything even with gym lifts that would say that she could actually hit 426.5 in a meet. Yeah, like just watching the squats, I was talking to Steve, and Steve was like, Heather is uh got I mean Tiffany's gotta be on the squat. Like it was already kind of over because Tiffany hit a 353 squat. By the way, like Tiffany literally, I have her written down right here. She broke every junior record, squat bench, deadlift total, and broke the open squat bench and total record. 
Yeah. This like, is, she just was unbeatable. Yeah, she exactly. destroyed everything. It's not so much that Heather underperformed, which to her standards she did. Tiffany had herself an all-time meet. And I think what happened is it happened so early in the week, people forgot about it. At least on the American side. Maybe, like, when you were there, it was something that people were talking about the entire week. She was best overall female lifter. I mean... We didn't have her in the conversation at all. I mean, we didn't know Amanda Lawrence was going to end up sandbagging. Uh, we kind of expected. Yeah, I, I, we, we did have her on the conversation. Yeah, we had her totally in the conversation. Did. Oh, we did. We did. Okay. Hey, guys, give me a fucking break. It was like, <laughs> it was like a week and a half ago. I forgot all about that. Did we still not pick Tiffany Chapone, though? We did it, but we said we if, did it. All right. Well, there we one, Boom, stop we, two things. One, obviously, we did not know Leah wasn't going to make weight. And two, we didn't know the Sheffield rules. And we did. if we would have, we would have known Amanda Wait. and Leah likely were sandbagged. Well, Leo. Yeah, Leah, yeah, exactly. Leah would have been in the, probably the same position, too. But we still didn't pick Tiffany. That just that, right. We did it. Fine. So, OK, we no, didn't fine. expect that to happen. So Tiffany Chapone ends up winning best overall lifter. And yeah. Any other thoughts on that? It was it was an incredible performance. I think that's kind of getting well, buried. what kind of what kind of stinks going back to Sheffield? I honestly think if Tiffany could have sandbagged a little bit, she'd be the favorite going into Sheffield. Oh. I think she still very well could be because I think she could with she's progressing so fast. I think she can set the squat record and the bench record and get the 6500 or 6250 whatever it is for that and then beat her total, but if she was able to sandbag a bit, um I think she'd likely be the favorite going into I- uh into Sheffield because Amanda and Leah have already set world record totals deep about where they're at right now. Like, I don't know if they can go significantly over it. The fact that Tiffany, she could have gone four ten and easily won this. Um, I, I, I am actually kind of surprised that she didn't kind of sandbag deadlifts because by deadlifts, you kind of knew Heather was out of it. Uh, especially after that first attempt, I'm surprised she did it, but, um, yeah, that will be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see the path that uh, Tiffany takes throughout her career. Um, I'm also excited to see where Heather goes next. I think she's going to keep on plugging away, going after Tiffany, and I know she's got the World Games as well, but domestically, too, got herself another good American lifter who had a fantastic performance at Mega Nationals. So it's no longer Heather Connor dominates America or the world. Heather Connor is still a formidable contender in that weight class, but it is now, I think, Tiffany's weight class to own, and we have Jessica in America, and Heather is, you know, I think I think she's in Jessica's, uh, or I think Jessica's in Heather's field for sure. I mean, we never seen him at the head. Never seen him at the head, so you can't really you know, go based off that, but Jessica is about as good as it gets right now, and... The 47 kilos, I'm happy to see. I'm happy to see the 47 kilo weight class. Um, uh, you know, because it, it, oh, it, was, it, was it was very similar to some of the lighter weight class for males where it just wasn't as interesting and there wasn't a dense weight class. It's now becoming more dense. And uh, Simone Lai also had herself a good meet, right? Oh. Uh, no, well, she went five for nine, I think. It wasn't her best day. Okay. She definitely underperformed. But I will say, if, if you, uh, we're going to say this a lot because obviously we're American. If you were to combine IPF and USAPL, the 47 is deep. Like it usually wasn't. It was just kind of Heather on her own and then everyone else. But if you got Tiffany, Heather, Jessica Espanol, um, Demetria, Mallory Brown, and Kate, 
Like you've got five people going 380 plus, which has never been the case in that class. Mm. Like 380 used to be like world record total. And it's good to see in the sport, right? I mean, the females like at that size, getting more into the sport, that's you're gonna you're gonna see some beasts like from that size and then going up to 52 and 57. So I'm excited to see uh, what the future holds there. All right, 52 kilos. We had Naomi Alaber winning. I think both all all of yeah. us had it, uh, had it there, but some jostling there for two to three. We did, but it was interesting when it started because Shizuka Rico actually was up on forecasted total. Now, as we saw the meet play out, we saw that deadlift was just too heavy. She hit 185. She tried to jump to 190. She missed it twice. But based off of squats, like we saw Shizuka go three for three. We saw Noemi go three for three. I, I thought it was going to be a super good battle because like it looked like off of forecasted total, Shizuka was right in there, but she really kind of tailed off and then Noemi kind of ran away with it. What was interesting though, is we did talk about Plume Deckers. Um, she was kind of in it all the way. Um, she ended up finishing second, but the real one was Steph Keen. Steph came out of nowhere. She went one, she had a 150 kilo deadlift opener. She ended with 180 to jump 30 kilos from your opener to your third attempt for a 52 kilo lifter is pretty crazy. Now, I don't know how much of that was her sandbagging 150 versus she just put 180 on the bar and let it rip and had no idea she had it and ended up hitting it and that beat Shizuka on body weight. But honestly, that was probably the story of this class was Steph kind of coming out of nowhere on deadlifts and sneaking into top three when seemingly going into deadlifts, it looked like maybe she got top five. Like Megan Lee Smith looked like she was probably finishing ahead of Steph as well without much of an issue. Solana, what did you say? Yeah. I mean, I fully agree with you. First of all, Plune's squat was amazing. I was listening. <laughs> I thought that was incredible. She got the world record for the squat, so that was awesome. But, yeah, like, Noemi took it. Um, it definitely looked like Shizuka was going to be third place, and then Steph had that deadlift, and I did not see it coming either. So it was pretty exciting. Also, talking about America, Marissa Enda didn't have her best day. But I don't think we're surprised. I, I, from my understanding, that's going to be her last international. Yeah, she retired. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, she posted. Chad Wesley Smith posted that that was like her retirement meet. It seemed like. Which I mean, I guess that's going off on a high note. Still getting to that level, especially at her age, but she's been doing it for such a long time. And I think we said on the podcast we didn't really think she was going to get back onto form like she was in 2018. And this is a lot of rough world meets for her. So, um, they, you know, the 52-kilo weight class opens up next year. I, I, I haven't seen much from her, but Andrea Riley would be a very good representative from Team USA. I know she took a year off of comp- uh, competing this year, but that's not, I, I don't know exactly what the full story is with her um, getting back onto the platform. But, yeah, I mean, Andrea's as good as they come. Won nationals last year in America. Um, Naomi is very hard to beat, and it looks like with all these other lifters coming into this weight class, that's going to be a difficult weight class to win in the future. But um, I think and- Andrea would add a very or more a a deeper roster um, going into that weight class and making it more interesting. Remember, if all the weight classes are fun to watch, powerlifting benefits from it. So um, that's why that's why. 
the the Taylor Atwoods and the Amanda Lawrences are fantastic and they're inspirations, but the head to head battles are what make people really tune into powerlifting. I can agree. Also, want to shout out Farahana Farid. She took seventh, but she took the open deadlift record with two hundred point five. Yeah, and that was wild. Yeah, saw that. That was awesome. Yep. I, I think. Well, um, also, just a little inside baseball here. We get DMs about this. We don't talk a lot about single lift records if they don't have a an actual uh, impact on the placing. I'm okay with that. We've got a lot of DMs on that. It's like, how, well, how about this story? Well, we almost got canceled because of that one time, didn't we? Well, yeah, and the opposite. We got a lot of trouble for not talking about a single lift record. Not- yeah, I'm saying we almost got canceled for not talking about enough about a single lift record because apparently we were supposed to, even though that person totaled like 150, to- 150 or 200 pounds less than the world record. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. I'm like, because everyone's like, why don't you talk more about, uh, we'll get to a mega nationals, but Trevor Bullis and Russ Orhees squat. I'm like, I mean, it's it's cool. It's a, it's a storyline, but like we don't, squat, bench, deadlift battles for gold? Uh, sorry. If it doesn't have an impact on the total and the actual outcome, then we don't talk about it. You know, the only reason why we're talking about it is because he almost won. That well, That's that's incredible. Um but, yeah, like all the other ones, we don't get as much uh, or we don't put as much of a spotlight on it. Um, next weight class, though, incredibly interesting. 57 kilos Ooh. all over the place. Uh, did we? I, I know all of us had joined in Amani, but this was a fight to the finish. So I, I only saw deadlifts. Did What happened on Joyce? first two squats was that elbows again supporting no it was not i watched the entire meet so joy missed on depth for all three and the third squat got overturned she almost bombed out yeah and i thought she did and she took the same way over and over again so that opened up the door huge for jade and bobby because joy ended up with a 341 squat in the end and her best is 363 so that is like 10 kilos just gone right there that she gave up yeah, and Jade and Bobby had basically perfect meets. I think Jade just missed her third attempt. Um, but yeah, obviously, I mean, the, it, what what it came down to is Joy loaded up two twenty eight, and that was not an easy third attempt, and she hit it and, and won. She got it, and on top of that, everyone hit which their is, thirds, which is crazy too. I'm trying to remember what this comes down to. Joy and Jade are tied on body weight. They're the exact same body weight. Yeah, we saw that. So, so yeah, we saw that, that comes over down the lot number. I think, I believe. I actually didn't know what I it think was. Jo- Me no, and- it comes down to I think- total. Yeah, but if they no. were tied on well, it, well, no. Joy, Joy had to go. Her. I know. Jo- so what if they both hit four eighty? They tie then. Joy got ten fifty nine point three, and Jay got ten fifty eight point two. So Joy chipped I- it. I well, I know, but it, let's say Joy only went two twenty seven point five and tied Jade. They're both tied on body weight. I actually don't yeah. know what then the tiebreaker is. I'm guessing it's lot number, I believe, and that's why Joy had to go 0.5 because likely she didn't have the lot number advantage, and therefore she had to go 0.5 to beat Jade. That's my guess. Yeah, I, I'm not sure on that. I could be wrong. I think that's the next tiebreaker, though. Yeah, we, uh, me and my coach were watching that, and we didn't know exactly what would be. I mean, there's probably a reasonable answer for it. Just 
that's how close it was. And it was it was way closer than I thought it would be. I thought the real battle was going to be second to third. and Because you do have quality lifters in this weight class. But um, Joey left the door open. And you got to give God and uh, Bobby a lot of credit here. They walked. They tried everything they could to get into that door, and they almost got in. Um, that was about as close as I've seen. And I was that was one of the most more entertaining things from this IPF Worlds was this weight class, um, especially with John Jacob. I think was I the only person ever placing? No. Yeah. Hold on. Let's check. Wait. Wait yeah, I believe really? you were. Yeah, he was. I'm checking. Suck it. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm so sorry, Jade. John. <laughs> yeah, and also I'm the only one pronouncing your name correctly, so I think me and Jad are best friends at this point. Um, even though I had her winning third, but well, I mean, considering it came down to two and a half kilos between second and third, that's oh yeah, not sure. It bad. was oh, it was it was, <laughs> it was a battle and a half. Um, uh, it, it was it, it was something. It was something that had everyone, I think, in the powerlifting world, really enthralled, which is hard to do, like. They were they were in tune the entire time. It is, and like what's most exciting. Cause we'll talk about the next week class next, but they hit their lifts. Like yeah. that's what makes it more fun. Like Bobby hit her lift and took first, but then Jade hit her last deadlift and took first, and then Joy hit her last deadlift and took first. Mm -hmm. Like that's exciting. People hitting their lifts. Not it's not quite as exciting as everyone misses everything and the person who got some some lifts in takes it. Yeah, I I was talking about this. I don't like seeing missed lift battles. Like. It's, I mean, it's compelling to an extent because you're still intrigued on who's going to win, but mislifts battles aren't good. And I thought IPF Worlds is kind of full of them, I think, because of the judging a lot of the time and then all the other factors that have to play into it. So that's why I think occasionally Mega Nationals or Raw, Na uh, Raw Nationals, I, I, I'm starting to hate the Mega Nationals thing. Raw Nationals is a better meet to me in some capacity because of it there's a lot of actual hit lifts because there's not this added variable of like traveling and weird weight cut situations and tra like mishaps while, you know, trying to get your bus schedule or your train schedule. So like monkeys, monkeys, this is, the, that was a first, yes. right? Cause train schedule is always the problem, but monkey was that's, that's the first time it happened, which we don't even know what we like, like the, uh, where are they going to have it? Are they going to have Madagascar soon? Let's just keep it more secluded to places. Um, and as I say that, USAPL Korea. Um, so unless there's any other analysis to add from this weight class, which was awesome. Um, I think I'll just say Maria T, you know, we definitely expect her to do a lot better. She just had a rough meet. She missed her second and third squat. Uh, she missed her last dead. She missed her last bench. So she just had a bad meet, and we had her all in our top three. Not me. So. I didn't. I didn't have it. I had to check up. Sorry. Yep. Um, I think I said something. Me. I think I said something like that, which was a total guess. But with me, where I said Maria Hati, I'm like, she's due for like a bad meet, right? Because every meet she like continuously rises and has these huge upset meets. So like she's due for a down tick. You would think I'd be better at gambling, but evidence in Vegas points that that is not the case. I, I'm actually a poor gambler, but it, Every hundred times I'm wrong, there's that one time I'm right. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, Maria T did not have a great meet. Um, all right, 63 kilo weight class. 
Unfortunately, the headline going into the day was Leah Baval missing weight. Unfortunate, never want to see that. But I guess more to this, every hundred times I'm wrong, there's one time I'm right. Didn't I say last podcast that she should probably just be 69 kilos? You definitely did. What the hell's the point of not being 69 kilos? She has nothing to compete for at 63. Kalora's not there. She's clearly above the weight class. I mean, we, we've heard stories about how big the weight cuts she are and, like, all these stories of, you know, being drained of energy and just what was going on and, like, the, like, leading up to it. You won the weight class. You have one of the best formulas or you're one of the best female lifters overall in the IPF and the entire world. Why go back down there and continue these death cuts when you could possibly be in a battle for 69 kilos and win it? He would still be the favorite and win and still have a hell of a formula and still break records at Sheffield, right? He can still shoot for those things. I don't know. I don't get it. And you saw the effects of it. He didn't make weight. And that's, that's like the worst case scenario. You tried the weight cut. You tried the big cut, and you didn't get to competition. So you suffered through all of that and didn't get to compete. That is more. That is the most evidence I need to go up a weight class. I agree at this point, yes. I didn't know she took big cuts. I really thought she was walking like 2.5 kilos over. Didn't, That's I, what she's talked about. Wasn't a whole thing on King of the Lifts where like Bill was talking about it and like how it was too much? I don't know. I that might have been something I was missed because they posted like every other day how what the time that Leah had beef with King of the Lifts. Like, was it along those lines? And she would like Pana and her would tell stories about the weight cuts. It's and, and, none, and none of her competitions were at sixty three recently. They're all at sixty nine. So clear. Just go up. You're still amazing. You still are the contender. The, the top contender to win. But that's, I guess, my like weight cut rant. Steve, you have anything to add to that? Because we have more to yeah, talk I don't, about. I think Solana's right. I only think she, I only think she cuts like two and a half. So that's not a ton. But yeah, obviously she had an issue with it. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, it's one of those things that it's unfortunate, but kind of like Perk and Atwood not being at USAPL Ron Nats, it made this weight class very entertaining. Actually, it did. Because, I simply, I mean, I had. We need an IPF expert that knows past 2019. Have we ever had a three-way tie on total that was all determined by body weight? I I, I can't imagine it's ever happened. Don't ask because me. Megan Scanlon, Kiara Bernardi, and Iris Shulton all tied at 505, and it was all based off of body weight. And it was a weird meet, too, because, Angela, I think you kind of were alluding to this. It wasn't a meet of execution. It was a meet of, like, who missed... I should say the who missed the most. Lifts. Well, Megan actually missed the most. She won. Did she really? <laughs> yeah, she only went five for nine. Uh, yeah. Kiara went seven for nine. Iris went seven for nine. Like, it, none of them had very good meets. It just kind of, yeah, they just, they, yeah, it was just, I mean, awesome. I'm super excited for Megan, though. I'm super happy she won. It, it just wasn't, like, a great meet for anyone. It was just kind of like, it, it all came down to second deadlifts. They all hit second deadlifts, and Megan had body weight. Iris tried to go up two and a half kilos, miss. Kiara tried to go up two and a half kilos, miss. Megan tried to go up five kilos to push them, and then she missed that too. But that really didn't matter since none of them made it. Yeah, uh, if you actually look at it, 
seven of the top eight lifters missed their third attempt deadlifts trying to pull for placing. Yeah, it was just it's just a lot of missed lifts in this weight class, even though it was it ended up being really, really exciting. Yeah, I love Meg with all my heart, and I'm so happy she won. But to go to IPF roles, girl, you can't be missing benches off of missing commands. <laughs> like, I did not you know, know she got she got all of them, but she skipped the press command twice. Huh. I did not know that. Yes. So she got it, but quite like it was blatantly obvious. She would just skip the press command and push it. I'm going to try the <laughs> next competition, see if I can get away with it. Screw it. Well, well it didn't she, work for I, her, so oh, don't try it. I don't know if she, I, mean, I don't think she was doing this, but some people try and time it. Yeah. I've heard that too. Apparently, we were wrong on Taylor Atwood. I think we said that Taylor Atwood does that, and he does not do that. He just sometimes misses the press command. I mean, he's done it too on the past. Actually, that 800 kilo meet, there was a few people saying that he missed the press. So, I mean, Taylor Atwood, Mike Scanlon, both great lifters, both occasionally struggle with the press command. Good problem to have, maybe, if you're that good. Is it? Not quite. But, you know, again, happy she won. I think, if I had to guess, it's because she trains alone and doesn't hear commands ever. That's just my guess. Yeah, I don't know. It's not because of the super loud... Uh, music at IPF Worlds. No, it was, or, or, <laughs> I was like, I heard him say, yeah, or the super. But, I mean, I would argue, crowd. I would argue Meg was the strongest lifter on the day. She just didn't execute very well. So, I mean, yeah. she hits one of those bench presses. It's not really that much of a competition. Which I, I, she doesn't have an issue with strength at one thirty two. She was hitting ridiculous numbers in training. So, um, yeah, it, it made it it made it a crazy weight class. The fact that they all three tied on body weight, yeah, or on total. Yeah. Iris almost had the deadlift, right? She almost had it. I, I remember watching I her and I was live screaming. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I didn't see this session live. I was just following along with good lift as it went along. So I can't comment there. Yeah. I know oh, I yeah. saw the I saw the lifts after for the made attempts for Megan, but I didn't see the actual third attempt deadlifts going down. Yeah, I was surprised she missed it because she, she hit 424 before and then she just had to take a two and a half kilo jump to get first. But is what it is. Yeah. Again, it's about who can execute the best or the most heaviest lifts on meet day. Yeah, I was in a conundrum there because I had an, an Italian lifter and an American lifter go head to head. And I was like, don't know who I'm pulling for here. Because uh, I did pick Yutter to win uh, second there. But if anyone could win, it would obviously be an American. And they totaled the same thing. So I guess I had uh, two victories there. I'm just, And that was a huge win for America, too. As far as the team goes, that that was big because that was like penciled in. France has it, and you know you see how it all unfolds after that. But um, uh, Meg Scanlon, I mean, and what a what a journey it's been having twins not too long ago, getting to powerlifting or going competing at USAPL Nationals, and she was in a massive battle last year, right? Yeah, yep, that's like place. yeah, like, and that was kind of the same competition. Or same way how it turned out. Like, wasn't a 9-9 nine yeah. nine performance. It was more so who was just in the lead as far as Miss Lifts go. Um, this one, too. Gotta love it. And I gotta love an American medal on top of that. All right. Anything else to add? Nah, we're good. Nope. All right. 69 kilos. The Grand Slam champion <laughs> reigns supreme. Yep. You can celebrate. You did have her for first place. I did. She just she shows up on meet day. She just shows up. She has also um, kind of she like got the, a good peaking effect off of 
squatting on uh, <laughs> step stools. I was going to say. And grinded out a crazy squat, showed up on deadlifts. The only thing I don't get, so yes. I watched, I think, the first half of the meet. Um, I did not see final deadlifts. Did any of you know why Marte jumped 10 kilos? No. I don't have any she did not need to jump 10 kilos. Like, I don't know what Chandler's top end was. She missed 242. But the fact that she missed 242, if Marte had would have gone 220 or 227.5, that would have at least forced Chandler to have to pull for the win. The fact is Marte jumped 10 kilos, missed it, and then Chandler already had it in the bag. Um, actually, I think I maybe did watch that. I can't remember fully. Um I don't know if maybe she thought she had 10 kilos, but that was just a weird attempt selection for me because it, it didn't, it, it just, it just, it just handed it to Chandler versus taking a smaller jump. Yeah. It was just straight up poor attempt selection. And then I don't understand why, like Chandler, the world record is 528 pounds and she goes 534 and misses and she could have just chipped it. So I was like, why did we, cause now you don't have a world record at all. Why did she just chip it? Yeah, I don't – I mean, with handlers there, because we can sometimes, like, cue in on a handler, I, I don't know who the Virgin Islands handler is for s specific lifters. So this is probably the one we're going to get very little information out of, right? Like, what was going into their attempts or what we think was going into their attempts because one, one lifter's finish and then one lifter um, – the coaches are from the Virgin Islands, and she actually competes within the Virgin Islands. So it's like we don't have a whole lot of like information or understanding or communication on what's going on. I don't think Chandler wants to talk to me anymore, which is cool, but uh, <laughs> I can't really get a whole lot of information out of her. So, yeah. Maybe I'll ask her. Maybe she'll talk to me. But one thing I will say, like, that record is uh, – what is it? It's 240 kilos, and that's been there since 2014 by Kim Walford. So it would have been really cool to throw Kim Walford's record. Oh, yeah. But is what it is. Yep. Anything else so with this weight class? Um, Chandler, Chandler Bab. Uh, that's the only thing I can really add. Just the person who only wins in powerlifting. She only wins. We're seeing like the, the you just mentioned Kim Walford, a very similar um, career path. Just only winning. Every federation wins. Deadlift <laughs> bar, squat bar wins. Stiff bar wins. Different countries win. Squatting on a step school still is able to win. Maybe that's a variation. Maybe if you do that for like 13 weeks, you can go into competition like, oh, lifting on comp standard equipment is really easy. I don't know. On the floor is amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool to lift on the floor. <laughs> yeah. I will yeah. say, uh, I was going to say, Ivana had a good meet though. Like she went nine for nine. Just execution wise, it's nice to see again people just hitting their lifts. I think yeah. we kind of see it in all the weight classes, right? Aside from few, like the one of the at least one of the podiums have a good meet, like a, like an actual like good nine for nine PR type of meet. So that, like it does make you, sense. You think for all the weight classes? I, I mean, said not for not, all not very them. many at IPF Worlds. There right. was not very many nine for nine performance at Nationals. There was more. There was a lot. There's there's definitely a lot more at Nationals that kind of snuck in with nine for nine meets. Yeah, I was saying not all for all the weight classes at IPF Worlds. But like you see just one person peppered in in the podium nine for nine. The stronger lifter is going to win. But then you see like one person actually getting in through miss like with all the other people miss lifts, like another person going eight for nine, nine for nine and able to get it. It's the hardest meet to go nine for nine at. I know Joey Flex has talked about that a lot. 
A lot of a lot yeah. of different variables to go perfect. Uh, I think I have anything else to mention. You know, this class we had Chelsea Savitt and we had Kristen Dunsmore. And Kristen, I was I was sad because her glute injury clearly flared up because she had to stand back that squat again. It was in a way kind of a repeat of her last world experience. I mean, she did get her benches and I think she got all of her deadlifts. Um, but you know, just still had to stand back. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Um, still another just to get there again. And probably gonna keep plugging away. Don't really see any. Yeah. Other oh no, she don't. To. One deadlift. Okay. Yeah. yeah, don't really see any other reason not to. Just keep plugging away at that in that sixty-nine kilo weight class, which I know is a comfortable weight class for. Her. Um, and something that's a little bit open and powerlifting America for her to win. I think her and Chelsea are gonna continue to battle out with each other, which is a very intriguing storyline. Coaching <laughs> the person that you were battling out with. Um, Did she coach her for this one? Or IBF worlds? Yeah, why not? That would make more sense than power, like the nationals, right? Because it's like you don't know if you're gonna get that other spot. Like at worlds, it's like okay, if we both podium, that's good for the team. Like that's that's actually the ultimate team thing to do. So, um, I but I'm not I'm not too sure on what the dynamic is going into IPF worlds. Uh, we good to go on to the seventy six or something to add. I'm done. Let's go. All right. The battle of the week, in my opinion, them and the 93s are the two battles and the best performance, I think, from IPF Worlds. Granted, she didn't win best overall lifter, but Jess Bittner, unbelievable. She didn't. But on dots, she would have, right? But if you used, but on dots, she would have. Yeah. Okay. And I'm, I'm not going to lie. I mean, this is one of those subjective things. I think her 585 was more impressive than. Tiffany's 426, even though I think both are very impressive. This is where I favor dots. I think dots was a better uh, uh, indicator of performance here. But, yes, yeah, sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead and explaining the the epicness of this. Well, I mean, it, I, we can go just based on it. was It came down to a pull, and Agatha had her on subtotal all day. Um, Jess kind of knows that. I mean, when she came on two white lights, you know, she's hard on herself about her bench. But Agatha has a subtotal, and... Jess still had to hit lifts and go through it and was able to pull through for the win and a massive, massive deadlift to do it. It was clutch. It was strong. It was amazing. It was, I think, the best female performance, arguably the best performance at IPF Worlds. It was my favorite performance of IPF Worlds. It was the best battle, too. They were hitting lifts. And you had Agita, who's not really known as much, and then Jessica still coming in clutch. Yes, Steve? This is the best battle since Daniela versus Amanda. And I'd argue the second best battle ever to Amanda versus Daniela. I hmm, I don't know if I agree with you. But I think Amanda Daniela is the best battle in IPF history. Over Hack Gibbs. Mainly? I'm talking I'm not including men, I'm talking women's side, not even including oh. Hack Gibbs. Oh, okay. Well then what's second? This. This one. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought you were talking about... Okay. I so, Sorry I included men in this. Sorry I'm, you know, gender neutral. I apologize, guys. One of us has to be. But, oh, yeah, I would agree with you. Okay, now wow. I agree with you, though. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> I agree with you, though, on that one, Steve. Yeah, it was it was one of the best battles I've ever seen. And... I mean, obviously... 
I was going to say, just like that 261.5 deadlift, that was the heaviest deadlift in IPF history. Yeah. Yeah, Jessica, Jessica, we talked about it going in, and this is the reason I picked her. She's becoming a nine for nine queen at IPF Worlds. I don't think there is anyone that is less affected by travel and has become more of a, a, other than maybe like a Keiko. I mean, she doesn't miss lifts. Like, Agatha almost went perfect. And if she did, she might have won, but just one missed lift cost it. I mean, Jessica just doesn't miss any lifts. And the fact is, because she's a conventional puller, she has a high likelihood to be able to pull for the win. And I say that because sumo, you can have the strength, but there's just so many little things that can go wrong with sumo where we see it with Emil Norling. We see it with Jessica Butner. If the strength is there, you'll probably find a way to lock it out. Um, and so, yeah, she, I mean, it goes back to when she had the battle with Kim, went nine for nine and really pushed Kim. Um, she is just becoming a clutch, clutch performer. Bless you, Solana. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, uh, no, clutch is a perfect way to do it. That's, the, that's one of the, I mean, there's a lot of adjectives I could put on this victory, but clutch. So clutch, so difficult to do as well. And I mean, we know. Speaking of conventional, we know she's she has a muscle for it. She can muscle up lifts. Um, it's just surprising that you know the bench is. I mean, her leverages kind of don't yield a great bench press. But I I think I think the word in twenty nineteen twenty twenty was Jess is eventually going to be the best female lifter in the IPF and USAPL. I think that's starting to happen again that momentum is starting to be there where uh, you know tiffany capone won best overall lifter they're using good lift score i think she could be on the level of amanda lawrence and leah bavall and be up there at formula and sheffield's going to be one hell of a meet for her too if she's able to get up there yeah i just wish good lift score was better to jessica because I, I i do think she was the best lifter here since leah wasn't there and then honestly amanda amanda didn't go all out but i, I don't know if amanda had I mean, she's still chasing that Minnesota total. Like, it just hasn't been there since then. I, I, I Jessica, I thought was the best lifter of the weekend. If it, it, taking out formulas and the 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 calculations there, just like subjectively, I thought Jessica was the best female lifter at IPF Worlds. Yep. Are you talking about gender too? Because I have her too as my my best lifter of the weekend or the week. Yeah, uh, that too. Gen gender too. I would I would say because I don't I don't feel like anyone. Uh, blew it out of the water on the men's side, other than maybe chance. Um, Technically, but even yeah, that, like you have to you have to compare chance to some of the other totals. The only one that could obviously blow it out of the water even more was Taylor if he didn't sandbag. Yeah, Solana. I can agree. We also had some other cool stuff in the weight class. Of course, we had Kim Walford, so not ten time world champion, moved up a weight class for the first time. Hit 11.96. I think she's still, you know, she weighed in at 165, so she's pretty close to the top of the weight class. But I think she'll still grow into it and get stronger with it. Um, and then we had Dana McNeil. She matched Kim's deadlift, which is a pretty big deal. It's pretty cool. They both did 534.6. Um, I was very proud of Dana. She pulled. She tried to get to third. She tried to pull for third. She missed it. But I wasn't sure that she could even potentially pull for third place. So she impressed me. Yeah. Dana McNeil, good to see her um, excel at the world stage. And, you know, last year we kind of saw her come up on the USAPL and uh, was able to go to Power of the America and have a solid performance at IPF Worlds and compete in 
Would you, yeah, I would say it was the most stacked female weight class as far as one to five. And then we have to add the New Zealand lifter in there as well. Not this year, obviously, but towards the future. Yeah, if she got in there with Jessica and Agatha, that would arguably maybe be the best oh. female battle of all time. Yeah. Carlina? I literally forgot yeah, to talk about for a second, and I did a whole podcast with her. Yeah, I was expecting you. I was, I, I was actually kind of... I was tossing that one up for you, not Steve. I was <laughs> oh, I was trying to do the host thing and like you know set someone else for the hit, but uh, yeah. I'm a failure. Yeah. I'm a failure. Well, but I, mean, I will say though, Carlina, yeah, top three. I mean, yeah, one through three would be unbelievable between all of them. That would be, and then it turns into like legit. I mean, easily, I think the most stacked weight class. I think um, as and far as lifters who could push each other too. I think the seventy sixes are. Uh, are something to really look out for in the upcoming year, um, especially in the IPF level. I agree, because Carlina, like, she she also hits her lifts, and that's what's exciting. Yeah, hit lifts battles. Okay. Eight for nines, nine for nines is what we want to see. Those are the best ones. Um, and we got to see that there with uh, Jessica Bittner winning and probably going to up her, you know, lifter rating after this as well. So congratulations on that. Anything else before we go on to the 84s? Which I can nope. expect the 84s being relatively quick to talk about, and they usually are, unfortunately. Um, it's hard to continuously talk about a lifter who dominates a weight class. We don't have, like, much more to add in there. Uh, Mandel Lawrence wins this one, and then just not a whole lot of push from other lifters there. Um, Solana, do you see anything in this weight class that, uh, aside from the big perfor- uh, the performance from Amanda? Honestly, nothing too crazy. Uh, second place was Kristen. You want to give her last name a shot? Is that to me? Warhol's daughter. Oh, that's not so horrible. Warhol's daughter. <laughs> um, she had 1278 total. She did pretty well. Overall, she went seven for nine. But, like, there was just – there's no pushing Amanda. We all knew that. So, Amanda and then third tried place to go for big. the over- – Yeah, go ahead. Amanda tried, did try to go for the overall. She put 263, which would have been the world record on the bar for deadlift, and that would have pulled her over uh, Tiffany Chapone for best overall lifter, um, which I don't think we thought she would even try to do. So she tried it and wasn't there. That goes back to my thought that, like, I like I don't even I, – Amanda still is incredible, but it's just kind of been where she's just kind of been in the same spot for a little while. I know she's dealt with injuries. She's had some setbacks. We just kind of haven't seen that same push from her lately. That, that's where I, I look at it. Like I, I think Tiffany's got a good chance um, going into Sheffield. Um, I think Leah does too. Um, but Tiffany, I think, has a really good chance because I feel like between those three, Tiffany has the most that she is progressing over what she's currently done. So where does where would you put Jessica Bittner in that conversation? Do you see any? Any possibility for Jess to hop Leah or Amanda? Come Sheffield. I mean, with with this with this new setup, yeah, I think it's very possible. Because again, it's not based off of, it's based off of what I mean. Now, the fact is though, Jessica pushed to her absolute limits with this total, though. Like I do, like she did everything, and that's where it hurts her. It's not a quick. Oh yeah, good point. Um, it's not a. Qu- I, I I was about to get to. It's not a qu- quick turnaround for Amanda. She's able to use this meet and then build into Sheffield. Um, so at least there's like some time there to recover. 
But what you said, Steve, is right. Since that Minnesota meet, we haven't seen um, a whole lot of adage onto that total. Um, it's a good, you're, you're in a good position there. Something that I envy to uh, to continuously win best overall female lifter or win best overall lifter and still not hit a total that you hit a year ago. That's how good Amanda Lawrence just is. And, um, but we do see like it, she can't continuously do this. It happened last year at IPF worlds too. It wasn't her best performance. She was going into it hurt. Still won best overall lifter over Leah. This year it didn't happen. Tiffany won. So we got we, we got something to talk about, I think, as far as Sheffield and potentially can yield a best overall lifter battle as soon as I understand how the formula works. Once I figure that out, I'll be sure to cover it. Agreed. Pete, come on the podcast and explain us the formula. Eh, that's a dangerous. He's going to do it. Well, maybe he'll do it. Yeah. I don't know. That's dangerous. Why is it dangerous? I can Pete just, on a podcast? That's a scary thing. I Listens will be through the roof if you just get his accent on here. It's the possible, best, the best like, accents we have on the podcast, minus Gage Carrion's Texas accent. That would, all right. that would be, that would be a good one, but all right. Um, he notoriously does not do podcasts at all though. So that's going to be, yes. I'm also being sarcastic about it being a scary thing. I'm more just picking at Pete. Yeah. Uh, but he FYI is, for yeah, listeners. he is, um, yeah, he really doesn't do podcasts. Who's, I can't even put him an equivalent to someone who is so, uh, he used to be John Hack, but we had him on the show. He was the hardest guy to get on the show. And we finally Marshawn got... trying to get Marshawn Lynch to do an interview, a post-game interview. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm talking about in two white lights history. Taylor Atwood was hard. I just had to meet him in person. Didn't you just have to pee next to him or something? I didn't have to do it. It happened. <laughs> that wasn't the prerequisite. It wasn't yeah. forced though. It wasn't like you have to piss next to me in order. We were getting pee tested together, and that's where our, that was our first conversation. The bond, yes, yeah, bond you'll started. forever share that bond of I whipping out in front of each other. I we didn't do that. You don't do. <laughs> have you guys been drug tested? You don't do that to each. <laughs> you don't do it in front of the other athletes. I, I finished so first. I beat Taylor. At well, you told time. me you did it. You told me you literally. It was like a, a Chicago Cubs trough, and you guys were just in a line. Taylor Atwood wasn't there though. It was. Oh, I thought you were talking about my Cubs game. Oh yeah, that'll be good. That actually, that'll be a really good way to test people. Just have them just all. The Chicago at, Cubs trough. Yeah, just have them all do it at once. That would have knocked. It's out a lot time. of looking at us like, what in the world we're talking about? That would have knocked out time. Yeah, we piss in bathtubs at uh at Wrigley in Wrigley Field. It's uh. Yeah, it's not like oh. urinals at like Wrigley. It's just like a trough, and you just like line up around it. <laughs> An incredibly, Together? an incredibly scarring experience if you're seven. Oh god! When you're thrown into right. when you're thrown into the deep end like that, there's really no not remembering it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if like you were tested at this year's nationals, you would have wished you did it all at the same time. Got, oh got, my god! Yeah, we at, saw Jamar. Yeah, twelve up up like one forty-five. Yeah, twelve thirty. I'm back. I'm back in the the uh, the vent, uh, the casino trying to have some fun. Luckily, it was Vegas where you can do it at that time. But, uh, yeah. All right. So, that was a lot of piss talk. What were we talking Damn, about? 84 kilos? Okay. Uh, well, next Well, <laughs> next up, 84 and a, 84 plus. All right. Which is pretty simple, too. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Monica ran away with it. Expected. Monica. Monica, goddammit. I don't want any more hate mail. Stop. Lord Jesus. I can't. I get. Steve. They tag me. Last year. I know. I, I got tagged. And I said her name correctly. And I got tagged in this. Please, for the love of God, I don't want to. He tagged me in a lot, too. A lot of stories. It was like nine. I can't handle that. Bonica. Are, am I supposed to have sympathy or am I supposed to be enjoying that? I Actually, yeah, that's a very good point. Okay. Uh, you do get off on my... Bonica easily won. I mean, honestly, we're going to talk about it. The interesting thing will... I mean, I heard rumors that Alexis Jones might be going to IPF next year. Yeah, she and did. Alexis Jones, holy crap. Yeah. Holy crap. I'm sorry to take away from this yeah, class. Yeah, we are kind I, of I'm already, from I'm already. But what else can we say about Bonique, There's another person. What Bonica's never had any competition. Like, I want to see it. I want to see Alexis versus Bonica head to head. That would be unreal. I'm actually a little bit upset because I saw Alexis as soon as we were leaving the venue. Um, and I gave her a hug because it was one of the best performances of the weekend. Top five. Definitely of USAPL Mega Nationals, and I was like, "So, what are you gonna do next?" Because I was kind of like, "Powerlifting America IPF makes sense." Again, you continuously go through this like pro series thing when a lot of lifters just like to head that battle. If it yields a head that battle, Bonica is the person. We can't get, provide enough analysis for Bonica, or we can't give enough because what we see is what we always see: her dominate. So I can't mm-hmm. talk about the competition. I can't talk about the placing. I can't talk about the battle. Bonica is that good. And I think the person who can push her is Alexis Jones. Yeah, Alexis was incredible. Early, she two and a half kilos above Bonica. Early, early it made everything look easy. Easy, easy. That was, that I was incredibly impressed watching her. She murdered all of her lifts. Early, potentially unnecessary takes. Who would you have in that battle? Alexis or Bonica? That's tough because Bonica is maybe the most experienced lifter in all the IPF other than maybe Kim Walford. She's been there. She's traveled. She's done all of it. Alexis has never been in that situation based off of pure top end strength. Alexis has it, but I don't, I, I, I call it even for the reason that I can't go against Bonica and her experience there and being able to perform on that level of a stage. So I don't know. I mean, that the, the, the scary thing, though, is Alexis totaled like 10 or 15 kilos more than Collegiate Nationals. And Collegiate Nationals, the lists were kind of hard. At Raw Nationals, they were not hard. They were sandbagged. She maybe had 680 to 685. And she's progressing that fast. That was three months. So I, I'm going to say next year, I'm going to take Alexis simply because I think her ceiling is going to be so high. It doesn't matter the experience or execution. Mm-hmm. I have to agree with you. I mean, she's 21 years old. That's a big deal. And like Bonica's best ever is 1488. And she has not hit that in a little bit. So how much stronger are we going to get here? Did anyone see how hard her lips looked? Because I did not. Bonica? Nope, yeah. that was a the worst day for me. I was commentating all three sessions, so I didn't get to see 
anything from IP. Actually, yeah, I, I said earlier, IPF Worlds and four. I mean, the bit. The biggest week in powerlifting history or the best week in powerlifting history was great for the fans who got to watch all of it. But if you were in, like, those competitions, it wasn't the best week in powerlifting history. I barely got to watch a lot of USAPL Mega Nationals. Um, the, the days prior to me competing, I wasn't able to watch a whole ton of it. Um, I guess, I, I mean, I commentated some of the, the more the storylines that we saw, but, like, with IPF, we couldn't. My my coach would not allow me to wake up that early just to unnecessarily and just to watch IPF Worlds and then same thing with you know competing the following day it was just not happening and on top of that the commentary schedule that all of us had was hard to watch IPF Worlds when you're watching Mega Nationals so yeah I'm looking it's through, all good but yeah I'm looking through some of the storylines see if we missed it I think we got all the storylines um. Also, I want to uh, Solana. You put your storyline in the IPF, or you put your USAPL storyline in the IPF, and come on. And then I responded right away and said, "I don't read." You're part of the show. You're part of the show. How did you? How did you miss that? But anyways, I wanted to point out though, Bonica's best ever of fourteen eighty eight was back in twenty eighteen. So that's like she might be at her ceiling. So I would also choose Alexis for next year if she does go even though Bonica knows how to travel well. Yeah. Well, uh, also, I mean, I think I talked about with Amanda Lawrence. Like, I had to ask her how she stays motivated. I think that was happening with Bonica. Like, we might see a bigger total from Bonica now because you know someone's actually at your heels. It was never the case. Like, no one – I mean, it was never the case as far as I've been following powerlifting. Bonica's been competing since she was 15. Like – Tons and tons and tons and tons of powerlifting experience. So it could have happened before, but maybe to get that total to where it needs to go, you need someone like Alexis to push them. So I'm excited. All right. Is that it? That the end? Do we have any closing takes? Well, USA. Yes. We won both the men's and the women's. I'm going to be honest. I didn't think we were going to win the women's. That pretty much was because Suck it, world. Leah uh, missed weight. If she didn't, uh, likely, I think France won by one point if Leah would have made weight and won and Meg got second. Um, but yeah, the, the weird thing, though, is too, though, I mean, U.S. is split because we have two countries going. <laughs> we have two U.S. countries basically going the world. Like if we just combined it, like obviously we ha- we could have had like Chandler Bab. I mean, it's it's weird to think about it. Um, but I'm going to assert dominance and say USA still reigns supreme. And I mean, not only did we split, a lot of our best lifters are still not going to IPF route. We have a lot of our best lifters still well, consider- in the USAPL. Yeah, well, considering we had mm-hmm. a massive national meet in the same week of IPF Worlds kind of shows that there's a lot of a talent in America. Yeah, that's right. I'm happy about Yeah, I mean, that. we got... Well, we'll go, th- we'll go through it there, but yeah, I mean... The th- I still don't. I still, uh, I still will hold by that if all of US stayed and then there was IPF Worlds, it's about darn even. What do you mean if U.S. stayed, like all of them? In- if like every U.S. lifter stayed and in the U.S. and didn't leave, like it, U.S. versus the world is about darn even. Yeah, I'd say that. I mean, yeah, because you'd get the additional lifters from Powerlifting America and all that saying. So, yeah, 
Um, I'd agree with that. I guess we have shooters. USA. I guess we have shooters, huh? Wonder if there'll be oh, less of a post about the French lifters. I'm and literally ending this now and, because you said that. Yeah, and a nut hug. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I actually opened it. You tried the, to say it like him, too. I don't Did I? I said shooters. You did. No, you said shooters. Like, you, like, tried to, like... Oh. <laughs> I kind of vomited in my mouth a little bit. Maybe the nut hugging will end from the French lifters. Uh, on, on that Are you going to start talking about manscaping next or no? <sighs> no. Okay. Nope. Is there a choice? No. Nope. I haven't listened to enough podcasts to know that, but uh I mean that was a storyline, right? France can France beat America? No. They didn't. They didn't nope. beat it. And especially when you take into consideration the amount of like awesome lifters we have one through ten. As opposed to just like looking at the world champions. So yeah, I'm happy about that. Win again. Another point for America. Take that, world and France. All right. Are we done here? We're done until Mega Nationals yeah. talk. Yep. All right. Next so, time. yeah, we have this Mega Nationals talk. And you know what, Steve, Solana? I mean, you can be included on this too. I think we got to get some power rankings going. Maybe post-Nationals or post-recaps? Think about it. We didn't release the episode, Steve, so, or didn't wasn't able to record it. So maybe that'll be a good filler there. But this will be the most appropriate time to do power rankings. Right after this, where we can actually power rank people? We could. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like not... We're, we're, a year, we're a year late on our original plan to do that. Yep. Almost exactly a year. Sometimes planning isn't great on our end. We should, we should never alluded to it on the show, too. We alluded to no. it one too many times. I think people heard it. And it got into other podcast hands, so so uh, that was that wasn't a good idea. But all right, that's IPF Worlds. You're gonna have USAPL Mega Mega Nationals next. Peace.